0: From a heavy metal perspective, from dancing
1: to death, to dark throne, to Dr. Shrinker. Buckle up, things are about to get heavy. This is the Metal Podcast.
0: Let's rock and roll.
2: Uh, hello, welcome, greetings. This is the Metal Podcast with AC DJ. I am, of course, DJ, and I am joined with, as always, the wonderful... The charismatic and often entertaining one-man band of Ancestors Call, he is more private than someone's private parts. Someone uh, who's not on OnlyFans, of course. Yet the sun shines brightly on him. AC, it is a pleasure as always. How uh, are you doing today? How is did, that sun shining on you today?
3: Did you have Jet GPT do that for you? <laughs> I, <laughs> I did I not. S- I struggled. To I worked. You actually I worked, wrote that.
2: <laughs> I, I worked. Uh, you know, for weeks, weeks and weeks.
3: Uh, well, uh, I'm I'm good. How are you doing?
2: I'm good, and thank you for outing me on that intro. And I don't use jet, chat GPT, but, you know, we have a very special episode today. We have the very talented, amazing gentlemen with us, Frank White and Alan Teccio. Uh, they're both veterans of the New Jersey heavy metal scene and authors of the incredible book Jersey Metal, A History of the Garden State's Heavy Metal Scene, Volume 1, 1969 through 1986, and Guys, thank you for joining us. We got legends with us, and um, how are you both doing?
1: Cool, man. Doing good.
2: Good, good. No, it's um, gosh, and you know, I'm I'm more aware of yeah. You know, we had Rick Ernst on our show recently, and I noticed that Frank White, uh, your pictures were used in that documentary. So that's that's right. kind of how I became oh, aware wow. of of you guys through that little bit of a rabbit hole going down. Like, oh gosh, oh, wow. Oh. So yeah though no, it's um its it's great and now i think a c we have our first east coast west coast rivalry um hopefully it won't end up as bloody as the uh <laughs> the, the rappers <laughs> but
3: well 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 hopefully one of us can be uh put into witness protection program like the other <laughs> yeah <guy. laughs> exactly so um we'll start with uh F- frank what have you been listening to lately
0: uh, well, uh, one of the newest uh, New Jersey fans uh, from South Jersey, they're called Morbid Cross. They're a band that I found on YouTube, you know, a couple of years ago and uh, wanted to uh, meet them because I just kind of fell in love with their uh, style of music. And I ended up uh, contacting them through Facebook. And then we had a uh, meeting with a couple of guys in the band. Me and Alan went down to Vineland, New Jersey, and uh, we ended up having a relationship with them. I have, we had have them going in our third volume of Jersey Metal. And uh, I ended up started doing live shows and, and photo sessions with the band,
3: and I have photos on their uh, second record. Now, were you looking for a New Jersey band, or did you happen to stumble upon them, and they happened to be from Uh, New Jersey?
0: I just happened to stumble upon them, and they just happened to be from New Jersey, and it was just perfect you know, timing.
3: Serendipity, (laughs) if if you would. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How old are they? Uh, They're in their 20s. Oh,
2: wow. An up-and-coming band, I
3: guess. That's kind of what we're looking for. Are they yeah. thrash, death, black? Yeah, you he said are thrash. Thrash metal, bands. okay. Yeah, and, and this is something we've talked about over and over on this show. And when you compare it to all the all the other genres, the, the biggest contrast is grunge, because grunge was supposedly the thing that replaced metal. Thrash metal bands are still popping up, and they're still good. They still sound like bands from the 80s, and actually they sound better in many regards just because... Not only has technology gotten better, but it's like, um, no one could run a four minute mile until one guy did Then everyone could. So once Eddie Van Halen reinvented guitar, then that's how that just became the standard for metal guitar playing. So you have all these people that just followed what are now legends and yeah, at 20 years old, they're doing what took people 30 years to, to accomplish. But where where are the grunge bands? If it was such a, a a big genre, like where when was the last time you saw an up and coming grunge band?
0: Well, I don't think they're up and coming anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah.
3: yeah, but we <laughs> we still have Thrash Death and Black Metal. It, it's it's all there and thank all, God. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's it truly is timeless. I do think thrash metal is the the zenith of rock and roll. I, I think it is the perfect balance of aggression and accessibility. You know, if I would you say, could be
0: a young person or old person and be into it. Well, yeah, but ahead. I would
1: say grunge, grunge was very much a trend, and Americans are very trendy. Metal mm-hmm. has always had its roots in Europe and in a lot of ways, and the Europeans, they don't follow trends like that like they're loyal to their music and i think that's why there's a difference between grunge you know hanging on and metal hanging on metal has always been there it just came out of fashion but it wasn't about the fashion it was just you know the 80s it had its time like our second book we're working on now jersey metal the second volume is 87 to 04 so it's going to have the entire heyday of metal and the transition into grunge in that book and I think that's going to kind of shed a light on it, like to what, exactly what you're talking about right now, how that kind of came in as a trendy thing. It infiltrated stores in the malls with fashion and stuff. And, you know, metal had that thing within its community, but it never was a, a mainstream thing like that, in my opinion.
3: Well, th- this, I think, is the question on, on everyone's mind is how much of your book is devoted to John Bon Jovi? A little right. bit. Oh, my gosh, I'm surprised. <laughs> I guess it, bon Jovi. it's, not, it's, not, yeah,
1: it's yeah. not too happy I mean
0: there's you know a couple I've you know some pages where uh, they were just starting out as Bon Jovi after Atlantic City Expressway and then um, do his uh, tour when they did one um, at the uh, Meadowlands Arena and then they uh, then they do a couple more later on uh, and that will go in the next book up until like 89.
1: We have him going in there till. Look, I'm not a Bon Jovi fan, but you can't leave him out of the book. You know what I mean?
3: It's, yeah. Be, yeah. Like, was... yeah I, I mean, I was mostly joking. I don't hate Bon Jovi. I don't like most of his songs. And I, I think he has generally a, a negative attitude towards real metal. But I, I think just music like that does need to exist because it is the gateway for the stuff that I would say the, the four of us prefer. Because you, you can't just start someone with here. Check this out, Cannibal Corpse. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, then an easier right. way into it. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's always those stepping stones. So, mm-hmm. Al- Alan, what have you been listening to? So I'm a latecomer
1: to Spotify, and it's really been opening up my mind to a lot of stuff. Uh, you guys were talking about metal and how it keeps going. Uh, one band who I really don't think got anywhere near the accolades they deserve, and they keep putting out better and better stuff, is Fotsam and Jetsum. I mean, they just had to cancel a whole tour for lack of t- of ticket sales. Mm-hmm. And yet you see a band like Testament, who you know I give all the props in the world to, um, I just like flots and better. I think there's a lot there. They're just more to them, you know, musically and vocally and everything. And they're just light years apart in terms of popularity. Now, I know back in the day it was different. Everybody was on more of a level playing field, but, you know, it kind of saddens me. But I've been listening to them a lot. I've also been listening to a lot of punk. I've been listening to a lot of token entry, um, some hardcore New York hardcore and just whatever Spotify starts pulling out that's related to the things I'm picking. And I'm finding stuff that I really kind of missed the boat on, like Paradise Lost. I really wasn't that big into, and now I'm totally—I can't stop listening to them. You know, so it's—I um, have to say—the streaming thing I was kind of against, but it's really opened up my mind and allowed me access to stuff I might not listen to normally.
3: Well, that's the 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 good thing about technology. I do think technology has been a, more of a detriment than a than a benefit, but it does give you access to things that you'd never hear because I, I had to go buy CDs when I was getting into this stuff. And I, I mean, there, there was, you know, download music of, of course, but you would have to know what you were downloading. So mm-hmm. if I, like, I would have to know that it already existed, but I had my own money. I was just like, oh, here's a store. Like, oh, okay. Well, this album art looks cool in the metal section. Like, you know, sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's not, but with, with like curated playlists, whether it's Spotify or YouTube or whatever, like, you know, next up it's, it's based on what people listen to. And it generally does a good job. If you go into more mainstream categories, I think it, that's when it becomes kind of a disaster. But if you're listening to, to more, cause metal is niche, it, same, same with punk. It is still an underground thing. So if, you know, you're listening to Exodus, you know, next up Sodom, it's, it's very rarely it's you're listening to Exodus to next up Taylor Swift. It's whereas if you're listening to Frank Sinatra, it it has been next up Justin Bieber. I have seen it. (laughs) Now the misfits were New Jersey, right? Yes. Are they included in the book? I know they're not metal, but just Danzig himself has been, okay.
1: okay. You just just said it yourself. They're not metal. They're not, but but
3: I I was just thinking because of Danzig and he is now a a metal guy. I didn't know if it was just kind of like a tip of the hat where misfits. Danzig
0: is more metal than the misfits
3: are. Misfits are more punk, but they have a lot of metal influences with, you know, people and all. Yeah, the, yeah I, I didn't know if you were just like only the metal bands or the stuff that covered it, because I have a few books on metal. I have uh, Sound of the Beast and, and Bang Your Head, and they all have punk stuff in the beginning, And because it is it is the, the stepping stone, and just every band kind of acknowledges that. Well, the thrash bands, obviously, you know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest aren't going to be like, well, I was influenced by Dead Kennedys, but you, <laughs> when, once you just doubled the bpm and it and that all did come from punk and I, I do like punk music for the most part but i think it's more cute than than anything else like punk punk is like i don't want to say more poppy but it, it has that more accessible thing where metal is for men punk is <laughs> for boys
2: but <laughs> <laughs> <It, laughs> <laughs> <it, laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Frank, have you stayed in contact with Rick Ernst, the director of Get Thrashed? Uh, Because a lot of your your photos were um, uh, mentioned, or mentioned, they were used in that documentary. Uh, And curious what you remember Mm -hmm. from that experience.
0: I I just basically ran into him several times at a few concerts, and uh, you know maybe I called him on the phone. You know, months later. But uh, I haven't talked to him for
2: uh, for a long time now. Okay, we can maybe help so, get, that, get that reconnection. He, he was amazing with us and uh, very enlightening, kind of because his time at MTV, I mean, he did tell us, I think we're allowed to say it, I think he did talk about this. He said it on the show, yeah. so he did, you know, okay. if he
3: wasn't allowed to say it, the, the episode uh, yeah. has been public for a long time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but he did say there was a direct order given from the top at MTV to say turn the metal off. You know, Headbangers Ball just, just, you know, canceled Um, at the peak yeah. of metal. metal yeah, yeah, it, w-
3: it wasn't a ratings issue. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with numbers.
2: So it had turned the metal off,
0: and that's, you know, why? <laughs> Interesting yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's, you know, MTV is all about the music, and now you have other programs. 16 and Pregnant. You're in America, and... <laughs> but over Europe, you still have MTV playing, you know, normally all the time.
3: Interesting. So that that was the thing that I always heard is because we we did we did the rounds when we were younger, you're playing local shows here and there or whatever, and we were friends with local bands that were they were popular, like actually you know they could bring a crowd, and people would always tell them, no, you got to come to Europe, like, like you'll you'll just sell out every night, yeah. like it's it's huge. There's metal clubs here. Yeah, it, and, and it's all because it was killed. Metal didn't die. It was killed. And yeah, and you could say, well, you just, if that's an American thing, Americans are trendy. Of course, because it's still big in Europe. It's still very big in South America. I don't yeah. know if it is big in Australia. I, I know they, there are some bands that are pretty popular there, but I don't I don't know enough about it, so I'm not going to comment. I do think it is popular in Japan as well. I don't know about China or Vietnam, so I won't uh make any claims <laughs> about that. But what about Guam? Guam? It, Guam. Uh, oh no, no. Uh, it, it's huge in Guam. Yeah. Yeah, Slayer's the number one band. I've actually I I think Slayer was hired to, to write their national anthem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs>
3: I think some yeah. some countries should hire a metal band to just write their national anthem. I think that'd be awesome.
2: Mm. Well, I um, I loved uh, Boston's rendition of um, you know, uh, our uh, national anthem. I thought that was great, and I,
1: I'm a big Boston fan. It?
2: Really? Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, it's good. It's good.
1: Is that Brad Delp singing?
2: Uh, I think it's just an instrumental.
3: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, great. Uh, have you heard it, AC? I have not. Oh. I've only, I've literally only heard three Boston songs. M-
2: more than a feeling. <laughs> I've heard that one.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay.
2: I... Uh, and Alan, so you've been a singer in metal bands starting in the early 80s with uh, Prophecy, Aggressor, Hades, Nonfiction, Watchtower, All Time Low, Seven Witches, Power, and more recently uh, with Level Fields and Mike LePaul's Silent Assassins. Sure. Uh, and you've also been a writer, columnist, and graphic designer for nearly thirty years, and interviewed dozens of uh, metal bands. So that that interests me. All of that interests me. But what kind of got you started at all? of This seems like quite quite the endeavor and start, uh, quite the career.
1: Well, started specifically with what the singing or the interviewing bands.
2: Um, all of it. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, singing started just at a high school. I, I write about this in the book because the book is. Mm-hmm sort of Frank's autobiography and my autobiography along mm. with the whole scenes, you know, biography. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just hanging around my friends, you know, uh, listening to metal and we were all singing and my one friend wanted to start a band and they needed a singer and I tried out and I wasn't very confident. I wasn't very good, uh, but I stuck it out and eventually got lessons and stuff. And that turned into me taking it a lot more seriously. Uh and then I ended up working at a weekly magazine here in New Jersey. And that's what led me to learning how to do graphic design and writing. Wow. And I had a couple of weekly columns in there. And then my editor was super cool and he let me <clears throat> just interview whoever I wanted. And so I would just pick bands. You know, we got press releases sent to us all the time. And you know, things would come across my desk like Getty Lee from Rush. And I'm like, Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> interviewing him, you know. So there were, you know, Uli John Roth and the Scorpions yeah. and like there are countless guys that I interviewed and I love the interview process because I've been interviewed so many times that I think I make a good interviewer if yes if you know, I'm just not trying to be uh pumping up my own thing but <laughs> I just know it has to be a conversation you know an interesting conversation and that's a good interview um it's not a set of questions that you're banging off one at a time necessarily you know
2: right yeah like I never like when those like some magazines will do like these like pre-recorded questions you know it's like it's great to get that information from bands that i guess are overseas but now you could do everything on on zoom or on teams or, or whatever like you don't need to just do like oh so you know whatever but no that's interesting and um so is there a highlight of metal bands that you've interviewed or or someone that like was a bu- bucket list or do you still have someone you're still trying to get into contact with
1: I don't do too much of that anymore. I don't work at okay. that magazine for a long time now, um, and I haven't done any freelancing on the side. I really haven't had any time or interest in it. Uh, but certainly, the Getty Lee interview was great
2: because yeah, that was sure. uh,
1: that was the Vapor Trails record, and that was the record where they've gotten back together with Neil and. You know, they they had changed a lot of things like the way Neil played drums and the way Getty was able to lay his vocals down like they let him just take his stuff home and track his vocals on his own, which is the first time he ever did that. And He was just a really interesting guy to talk to and just very normal. Um, So I'd say he probably was one of my highlights for sure. Excellent. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure the
2: big band. (laughs) Do you think they might uh, get back together or or do something kind of like what Pantera has done? I don't know how you do that without Neil. Yeah,
3: I agree. You know, wow. get Dave Lombardo to fill in. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> anybody can do it.
4: It's a little heavier, right? Yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true.
3: Good, Rush good just call, becomes a, just becomes a metal band at that point. They <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Lee Something starts like. growling. that would be interesting
1: if they did something with like a bunch of really stellar top-of-the-line drummers that might be interesting but i don't know if you could recreate rush without you know getty uh, without neil
3: i'd be pretty skeptical to to believe that rush would do anything more than like a one-night event doing something like what you just said just getting kind of like a handful of different drummers to just kind of do a tribute to neil less less of a rush show Right, right. It's not kiss where you know just slap a new animal face paint on someone and just throw them behind something <laughs>
0: oh, <man. laughs>
3: so 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 I have a question for you for you two. you, you, you can answer it if you if you think uh' I'll, I'll go with the Frank first, at what point does a band stop being that band as far as lineup changes go?
0: Wow. Um, Some bands stay, you know, up there for a long period of time. And then there are others that, you know, will have it for a time being. Then it'll stop and then maybe we'll pick it up again at some other point. it's, It's tough to say. I mean, you know, like there's certain bands like Iron Maiden that are always up on their game. They're always up there. Overkill, same thing. They're always putting out new music, you know, doing tours, you know, you always have to bring out product. You always have to do touring in order to stay on top. You know, if you kind of lag on that, you don't bring out an album for maybe like a few years. You don't do that much touring. You know, the public doesn't think about you as much as the ones that are always out there. So, oh no, yeah, I, you
3: know. I, no, no, I'm I, 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 yeah. that's what I mean. <laughs> I, I mean, because you brought up Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden, with with the exception of Clive Burr and multiple sclerosis, and Paul Diano was ejected pretty early, but Iron Maiden has been essentially the same people since Number of the Beast. They just added one other guy. I mean, because I brought up Kiss. Not Number yeah. of the Beast, peace of mind. Sorry, sorry. You're right. Peace of mind, peace of mind. Yeah, that's when uh, Nico joined. Uh, but because uh, Kiss was those four people. It was Ace Frehley, <laughs> Peter Criss, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, but then ace fraley peter chris left and then they just got two new people with with face paint i think there there was an album that ace fraley was credited on but he didn't even play on i think it was creatures Creatures of the night i I think but that's what i mean is when when, at what point is that band not that band anymore because megadeth is just dave well not not the same as they used to be yeah when when it's just like this is not this isn't even the that that band anymore. It's just like like one probably, member. Probably,
0: I would say for Kiss, it would have probably been like around eighty two or eighty three. You know, when they lost uh, Ace and and uh, Peter, and they changed members uh, to uh, Vinny Vincent and Eric uh, Eric Carr. Carr. And uh, you know, they and they were in the band for a short time, and then. It changed again. Uh, so, you know, their magic was happening more like in the 70s and the beginning of like 80. And that was probably about it. And then it came back later on when they put the they put the makeup back on.
1: I don't know if it's a good example because, I mean, isn't Kiss's ultimate goal to have other people besides them dressed like them and keep the Kiss name and brand going? I thought that was... Nowadays. Always- after
0: well, after
1: well, their show, so that's well, not a normal band to me. Like I look at Overkill, for instance. There's only two original members, and there have been a revolving door of people besides them. Mm-hmm. I think that's an economical thing. You know what I mean? Like well, I don't so, think
0: it's just has Peter and <laughs> uh, Paul
1: and uh, Gene as the
0: original band. Yeah, but you're, yeah, like yeah, but you're talking about multi-
1: yeah, but you're talking about multi-millionaires and a huge brand <clears throat> versus a working, you know metal band. I don't know that Overkill I mean, could survive if they paid all their guys equally you know what i mean it's it's like a business thing in
4: my opinion
1: you know what about like stop being in that band i don't know i mean look Mm -hmm. at Foreigner. is there anybody left that's original in that band i don't (laughs) think there is i literally don't think there is so they still play as foreigner
3: i don't know the answer yeah yeah that that's that's my question because uh i remember when kiss did a tour it was like 2004 and it it was after because you know uh, Peter, Chris, Paul, or uh, Peter, Chris, Ace Fraley joined in the nineties, but then they left sometime in the early two thousands and they did a, a tour with poison. And a friend of mine said, I wouldn't go to that. That's not kiss. i mean, like, I It's a, that's an interesting point. Cause at that point, cause poison was opening, say what you want about poison. It was all four members of poison. So it's like, that's clearly the band, but yeah. Overkill only has two original members uh e- even ex- exodus like the original singer paul Bayloff, original guitar player kirk hammett but now it's gary holt is i tom hunting i think was the original drummer uh, unless, yeah he was unless, sure, yeah. yeah unless like historian comes in actually tom hunting joined a, a day after they formed and they fired the, i don't know but for the most part that that's two original members. It's not even the original singer, even though it's a quote unquote classic singer, but same with anthrax. It's two original members. So I, I, it's just, it's just a philosophical question that I always wonder because I've seen plenty of bands that are just, I guess it's not really the band. Like when Megadeth got back together and they did the the system has failed. Chris Poland played on the album but he didn't play live with them. And I, I always thought that was kind of weird because Nick Menza was supposed to be on that tour also. And then it was just three people I'd never heard of. So, mm-hmm. like, I know. I know. and mm-hmm. and Megadeth kind of continued that trend until they eventually brought back Dave Elfson and then he, he got rid of him. So now it's just like, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing here, huh? Like, what is this?
1: Yeah, that just seems, that seems like a lot of interpersonal problems, which of course every band has. Uh, I'll give you an example. Forbidden. Like I'm a Mm. Forbidden is by far my favorite Bay Area band. I think they're just the coolest. They have the most swing in their riffs. They got just the most open minds. Uh, I don't know. They're just my favorites. And, you know, Russ Anderson is a, a colossally amazing singer. And I know he's not really doing it anymore. And he had some health issues and stuff. But I was very skeptical of this new singer guy and them coming back out. But the guy sounds great. So to answer your question... I think as long as you can pull off the the uh, original intent and energy of the band and keep calling it that i think it works you know what i mean if it's if it's true and you're passionate about it but i don't know the answer to that you know what i mean Some other people would say you know one or two people leave the band it's not the band anymore and i guess it's just an opinion right yeah. yeah, you
2: know it's funny you brought up uh forbidden because we're actually gonna have that new singer on our show um in about a week or so Norman awesome. uh you know so we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll include your we'll, uh... we'll tell them that, <laughs> that they're yeah.
3: still forbidden
2: yeah
1: <laughs> mad props mad props I watched that show they did like a show in Europe and they did a little pre show did you guys see that video it's like in a little bar
2: oh no see uh, i've seen some of them live with him and i'm like oh i'm like wow he, he sounds
1: great you know it's
2: like this, is great... this
1: is a tiny room where maybe maybe a hundred people are in there and it's like the night before this festival that they're playing mm-hmm. and kind of like a dry run i guess you know in front of a crowd right and he was outstanding man he sounded great russ anderson that's not easy shit to sing i used to warm <laughs> up a lot of his stuff and that guy's got some voice on him
2: Yeah, that's funny ac and i saw the first time I saw Exodus was actually kind of at a situation like that, at a very tiny bar in, in San Diego with the, the turtle maybe room Yeah, it was uh, the jumping turtle. Jumping and they're turtle, like, "Yeah, right. this is just a yeah." They're like, "This is just a warm up show for for our tour." But it was really cool. Like we got to hang out with the band. Uh, you know, e- extracurricular activity. Like, Rob Dukes pulled me on stage. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was awesome. one of the coolest shows. But it's funny that I don't know if bands still. Do that anymore? Besides, you know, like forbidden, like you just said. But it, it would be kind of cool to kind of have that again. You know, it, it is it is cool to get like have like relationships with the bands.
1: Well, I could tell you, some of the bands can't play really big rooms anymore, and they it's mm-hmm. a sad thing. But they still go out and churn it and grind it. And a great example of that is Raven, who actually start off. Uh, I guess the first story, right, Frank, in the second book yeah. is Raven. So, I mean, they played a little bar right up the street from where my studio is here uh, a few months back, and we went and we we're hanging out in the RV with them. And I do know those guys from, you know, long, long ago. But they're just the normalist dudes you could ever meet and super f- nice and so, just so cool. And to me, that's what metal was all about, you know what I mean? Just keeping it real. And even though those guys, I think, should be playing bigger rooms, they're still out there just crushing it. And God yeah. bless them. They give 120 yeah percent every single night. it's it's beautiful
2: they have the passion for it? it's not just about dollars and that's what you know we as fans you know appreciate and love about them like that's why they're staying power there are these legacy acts that yeah. are still touring the world like um you know i'm a big fan of armored saint and i saw them just play with the uh, phil sandoval and gonzo sandoval have this i don't even know if it's like uh out there or whatever but it's called hot sauce Uh, their band and it's with a third guy named Zeus and I saw them at this little dive bar in Anaheim and you know they don't have anything recorded yet but they're just doing like Black Sabbath covers and it was like one of the coolest things I ever saw and no one in the in the bar like knew that they're from this amazing legendary armored saint but it was it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And, you know, got to hang out with them afterwards. I got to eat Gonzo's. Um, he makes this amazing guacamole. So I got to eat his guacamole. It was great. <laughs> That's the awesome. The best thing I've ever Those seen. guys
1: are, they are some of the nicest guys in metal. We've done a lot of shows with our Armored Scene. I know Frank does oh, as well. Yeah, we play with them a, a whole bunch. I, when I was in Seven Witches, we did a whole string of dates together.
5: Oh, wow. And,
1: uh, and I just, I mean, they're like the nicest. Dude, John Bush tried to help my band Hades get signed when we opened for them um, at Lemoore in Brooklyn back in the day. Mm. So that's like 87 or something, 88. <laughs> I mean, that's, wow. That story, that story's in the book, too, where he actually took our tape to Electro, not Electro Records, uh, Chrysalis Records that they were signed to and i had discussions with this as a result of john's help it never happened but who does that for another band like john bush was he's just like one of those unique dudes you know
2: yeah and he was i guess he uh was asked by you know metallica to to sing for them you know which is incredible that he not only turned that down but i mean i'm i'm thankful because i i love armored saint (laughs) but i mean that that is I don't think that's something he kicks himself about. I think everything worked I, out the right I'd, way.
3: I think he's been pretty consistent that he does not have any regrets over that because it was mm. it was between some strangers or his friends that he knew since high school, and I think it was just kind of an easy choice for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I
3: get it. He did get <laughs> repaid in kind by joining Anthrax later, so it's oh, it's no, not right. like he just dwindled into obscurity which mm-hmm. after the sad passing of dave pritchard
2: right yeah and they're working on new stuff too so i'm i'm excited about that they're about to go on tour um like again like they're i think they got a, a u.s tour and a european tour over the summer so it's they're, they're
3: still going strong well,
2: yeah, so metal, yeah,
3: they're, yeah, metal metal never died it just they just stopped playing it on mtv that <laughs> yeah. that's the real misconception that that people don't understand and then at this point, would you want to be associated with MTV? M- MTV is the, the biggest punchline of TV. Like most people don't have cable anymore, but if anyone brings up, like I was watching MTV, like no one w- would look at them with, with anything other than like, disgust. Like, what, what is wrong with you? Like you want to watch a bunch of 14 year olds that are pregnant and just yeah. everyone with their mouth open. It's embarrassing. <laughs>
1: crazy, it's crazy. But you brought up Dave Pritchard, and uh, Frank has some amazing photos that mm-hmm. are in the second book, and we have a really nice little dedication piece uh, to Dave in the second volume that we're coming out with whenever we finish it of, of Jersey Metal.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know is, are you planning a third part because you said it goes up to 2004 so because you brought up the those younger guys that yeah, you just met
1: yeah frank, frank said it earlier there's a third book mm-hmm. which is going to have all the modern stuff which is i guess 05 oh. to 2021 something like that okay
3: yeah wow. a- <laughs> i i mean this is you know you can if discard this this suggestion but calling the the third one instead of having like a set date you just just keep it ambiguous, just, just to allude to that this doesn't go away. This isn't dying. Like go, go right. through all the decades where there were trends, like doo isn't around anymore. Disco isn't around anymore. New wave kind of is in, in kind of a, a revamped form, but modern rock isn't like no one sounds like the Smiths or an excess anymore or, or Genesis. And there's no grunge. There's no post grunge. Emo is gone. As far as <laughs> pop, pop goes, pop is the most, um, mentally bereft and embarrassing, <laughs> pathetic music that's ever existed. And people have, every generation has done that. oh, back in my day, music didn't sound like that. But now it is, ab- it is unquestionable that top 40 pop is the worst that it's ever been. It, it, it's all terrible. Like I go back and I, I look at top 40 stuff from the nineties, especially the eighties. And, and I find plenty of things like, Oh, I like that song. Oh, I like that song. Now I, I can't find any, like it. I don't just dislike it. Like it makes me angry. Mm. Like it makes me so angry. <laughs> I have to listen to metal <laughs> to calm I'm down.
1: Really. I, love, I love all kinds of music. I mean, I'm a, I'm a metal diehard for sure. And that's the kind of stuff I love singing the most. But I I listen to all kinds of stuff, depending on my mood, you know what I mean? And I I try not to categorize it too much. It's just like, I feel like, you know, today's uh, Red Temple Spirits Day. I don't even know if you guys know who that is, but there's there were a band from back in the day. uh, That's sort of new wave-ish, I guess, you know, but it just depends on how I'm feeling. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just want to crush something and you put on morbid cross or whatever, you know, (laughs) that just gets you going and. You know, to me, it's an it's an emotional kind of what mood am I in right now thing as far as deciding what I'm going to listen to.
3: Yeah, I like to put on metal at the gym. Like I, I can't, I, as much as I love Hall and Oates, I'm not going to be like I can't go for that. Uh, uh, one more rep. <laughs> <laughs> like what? I, what I want to calm down. You know, I, I, and I do like new wave. Rick, Rick Ernst didn't, but you know, I'm I am a big fan of The Cure and Depeche Mode. But you, you can't. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, no, I said, "Me too." The Cure is oh, like yeah. one of my favorite favorite bands of all time.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't just listen to metal, but the the thing is, I just I think metal deserves to be back at the top. That that's kind of the whole point of this this show is that it was taken away from us. There there is an actual there is an objective enemy that said we're not going to have this anymore, and that that's. There's kind of a, a never-ending quest to find that. And we found a lot of interesting stuff. And we, we have some, some more uh, things that we'll dive into in the future. But I do recommend everyone check out our four-part series on Laurel Canyon. There, there is a lot of really interesting stuff, especially as far as the music business goes. But ju- just the, the point that I, I was making earlier, it, it's that metal has been consistent as long as it's existed versus other just trendy things. It, like, people are are still making bands. Like, people listen to Slayer and say, let's do that. No one's listening to Lips Inc. and saying, let's do that. Whether you like, you know, Funky Town or not.
1: You know what I think is even more relevant? And not that, not that your statement isn't relevant, but we do a lot of these kind of podcasts and we really appreciate you guys putting us on like this, but there are no grunge podcasts that I know of. You know, there's no new wave podcast. There's a ton of metal though. There's yep. all kinds of radio shows and internet shows and podcasts. And I think it's you guys in effect that are keeping it alive like that. And God bless you for it. Cause without it, you know, it would go away and fade off into nothing. Well, thank you
2: yeah thank you for that 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 means a lot and you know we are willing to do our part you know it's uh happy to do it you know it's because we want like with our guests that we have on we're like hey we want you guys to fill seats and and sell you know like you deserve it and and there's almost like an operation behind it saying no to it it's like well why (laughs) it's like why is it like that that's not it's not right you guys are yeah, like the
1: resistance in Star Wars.
2: The resist- Keep resisting. Keep resisting. <laughs> exactly.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, there definitely is an empire that has <laughs> f- flooded the, the solar system with the degenerate rap and terrible top 40. Do you know the band Greta Van Fleet? I know
1: the name, yeah. And They're like Zeppelin, right? They sound like
3: Zeppelin. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. I've I've mm-hmm. heard the name for a long time, and I actually heard one of their songs recently. It does actually sound like Led Zeppelin and it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, bad. It wasn't, wasn't that good. It just, it was like, wow, that sounds like Led Zeppelin. That was all I could really say. And it's, it's unique that that's a band that's kind of up and coming, but like where were your other rock bands? You had, you had 30 years to have rock bands be at number one. And then now a band that sounds like a a 60 year old band, like now you're (laughs) kind of giving them attention.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't get it either. But you know, it, it's so much has changed. You know what I mean? The way people consume music now is dramatically changed. The way people are turned on to music, like we were talking about before, is totally different. It's, it's. I don't know. I don't get it.
3: Well, before there were just kind of communities built around this because you guys are, I'd say, probably more interested in the Jersey metal bands just because it is is a, a local thing. And it might even just be nostalgia. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, well, I, that's just something I would that, assume. You're
1: wrong in that Frank's photos are not just of Jersey bands. Well, there I will yeah, of-
3: I said more oh, yeah. interest, just in general. If someone said, like, pick pick a place.
1: Well, I mean, our book's called Jersey Metal. Right. That's why I,
3: that's why I made that assumption. I just assumed that's where your interests mostly lie, but it's not that's all you like. It's just that's where you're. The, your primary focus would be because that was something oh. when I first started getting into metal and I would hear people say, oh, that's a Florida death metal band. Like, oh, Bay Area thrash band. And you start picking up on the actual, the, the regions, because we are more or less just a, a product of our upbringing. So you have all these bands from these regions and they create a certain sound and it really was a community of, of people. So you have all these people, like, jumping in and out of bands, you have the same producers and you would, you would go like, maybe you're friends with, uh, this guy, Chuck Scholdner and his band is playing and then, oh, and then they're playing with a band, uh, oh, this is Cannibal Corpse and, uh, oh, and this other band Deicide. And then you, and that's how you, you meet all these different people because there were actual communities formed around this where there's, those communities don't exist. So. You have to leave it up to the algorithm, the the digital masters, to to point you in the right direction. Or it, it, the it, part of
1: be like what your guys are creating. You know what I mean? Like deliberately watch your podcast and insert yourself into it because I think that's that that kind of organic growth is still going on. It's just online now. You know, I and mean, it's not at the local record store where like, I forget which one you said earlier, you look at a cool album cover and go, oh, I'm going to buy that. It may not be great, but it looks really cool. And maybe there's a few good songs on it. That's how I grew up listening to metal. And I think most of us did. And you were saying that earlier, but it's just not like that now. I mean, where's a record store now? <laughs> you know,
3: like, and, and the record stores that exist are, are almost just it's like a drive through theater. It, it's. It's just they're like, "Oh, look, a, a store that sells physical copies of music. Wow, how quaint." It's like when 1950s diners started popping up in the 90s, like, "Oh, wow, it looks like a 50s diner." Wow, a place that sells CDs. Yeah, they're and uh, bands are starting to release things on cassette now. That's, that's crazy me. That's how starved for nostalgia everyone is cuz cassette is objectively a terrible format. <laughs> doesn't sound gotta, as good and it and it fades really fast
1: yeah but even cds like my band level fields put a cd out a few years ago and even if i wanted to give a cd to somebody rather than even sell it to them they don't have a player most people the yep. cars don't have players right. anymore i got one in my garage in a boom box so i can listen to cds but it's not my main way of listening to stuff and that that ship has just sailed unfortunately i think mm. so yeah, it's great comp- to nostalgia but
2: Sorry, yeah, I was going to say, computers don't even have a CD player anymore. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Yeah, so exactly. no, it's, oh. If they but, uh, you have to buy one. Yeah, you can buy one. I have. Had to. <laughs> I mean, for I your just...
3: com- for your computer, you have to buy oh, a yeah, CD I know. Yeah. drive.
2: My laptop doesn't have a, a CD drive, so I had to buy one to play DVDs or, or to burn CDs. Yeah, it's yeah. like. It's
3: but crazy. vinyl did outsell CDs it did I think last year
2: yeah and they're real expensive now too they're like 80 bucks for
3: <laughs> a vinyl record <laughs> for for eight songs yeah <laughs> it is a cooler format though but go ahead dj I interrupted you
2: no it's all right I, I was gonna ask uh frank about like some of the bands he's because you've been hired as a photographer to tour with these bands is there like a, a favorite or, or a, a story maybe you haven't told mm-hmm. anyone else that uh that um, you could say?
0: <laughs> no, well, there's, I, I put pretty much most of my effort of my stories into the book, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> a lot of times when these bands asked me to go out on tour with them, um, I didn't get paid by them. Um, I more or less like photographed the bands for a couple weeks or a few days, and then I would use the photos when I got back to send out to different publications that were asking for that band at that moment or down, down the road. So, uh, it was just, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't know, you know, like how much people might've got paid by other bands, but I just accepted the fact that they liked me enough to want to take me out there on the road with them. And they really, you know, enjoyed looking at my photographs. So we kind of just kept it as sort of like, you know, I'll take photographs, you know, help you guys out wherever I, you know, have to, you know, and just, you know, have a good time out there, you know, and that's what happened. And uh, we got a lot of great photos from the different bands I photographed on the road. Um, But a lot of them, you know, obviously they're not in the book. Um, but there will be like in a 50th anniversary of my photography in a couple of years. Yeah. Congratulations, man. That's, that's a test of it to you. Yeah. Yeah. We're on basically in 20, I'm hopeful I'm going to come out with the book in 2025, you know, where it's just basically all my photography, because even though we're, you know, we're talking about a metal book here from New Jersey, um, I've done so many other genres of music and so you'll see that in the uh, book that I put out about my own photography.
2: That That's so. great. Yeah. And it's great that you don't put yourself just in a metal box. And even though we're the metal no. podcast, you know, we, we've explored other genres. Like I'm a big fan of uh, Ronnie Millsap. So we had one of his band members on our show. I
0: photographed him. I oh, saw did you really? Live. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. Yo, I, like, saw he's a...
0: I saw him, I saw him <laughs> when he opened for, um, oh God, uh, the guy who does the lineman song. Um
1: Johnny Cash?
0: You know, huh? Johnny Cash? Not Johnny Cash. Is that the I'm um, a lineman
3: for the county? That one?
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. My gosh. That's uh um, Glenn Campbell. I, I saw that I saw oh, that okay. tour. I saw that tour. I photographed it for Holy crap. another magazine. Yeah, it was Glenn Campbell headlining over and uh Ronnie Millsap opened up and it was up in up in Connecticut. I saw that show so it's oh. funny that you mentioned Ronnie Millsap yeah
2: like
4: small <laughs> world some
2: yeah a very small world that he's someone that kind of popped up on my Spotify kind of like Alan was saying I was listening because I do like some country you know not not all of it it seems like it's kind of taken a an unfortunate turn recently so I was looking for these acts and I didn't realize he was on I believe he's on a few Elvis songs, which I didn't know. I think, I think he's on Kentucky rain um, and suspicious minds. And I mean, the guy's just, and he's blind. It's like, how, how could you be a, a blind keyboardist musician? Hey,
3: Def Leppard has a drummer with one arm. Anything is possible.
2: <laughs> you know what I heard? This is probably terrible to say that. <laughs> I saw like a meme or something online. It's like whoever drums to Def Leppard with both hands is just a, an a-hole. <laughs> yeah. but no yeah that's uh, I've seen Def Leppard he does uh, you know his drum solo for like 5 or 10 minutes and it's incredible it's better than than I can I can drum with two arms and, and two legs but Yeah. But what I was saying that, you know, it's good that you don't put yourself in a box that you have more opportunities. You know, we've had, you know, like Rodney Millsap's band member, we've even had Kelly Clarkson's guitarist and people are like, Oh, why did you interview them? Like, well, he had to choose between typo negative or Kelly Clarkson. And it seems like he made the right choice at the time, but they're both of them even, you know, listening like metal. Like we were open to it. We want to explore the music industry and see, you know, what's out there. What, what, What's going on? <laughs> when did people yeah. go
1: into- oh, negative? When did that happen?
2: Uh, I think that was the early two thousands.
1: Oh wow, okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's kind of like how Marty Friedman was either offered um, Madonna or Megadeth, <laughs> and he chose <laughs> Megadeth. So it's like these—you're a guitarist, you know? These people need guitars. It's kind of like what I had brought up to his name's Aben and Eubanks of Kelly Clarkson, and yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't realize Kelly Clarkson had guitars, but yeah, stupid question, but, <laughs> but. Yeah, so, Frank, you don't have, like, a a favorite tour that you went on? I know it's, it, you got 50 years uh, to kind of comb I through.
0: Do. <laughs> I do have a favorite tour. It wasn't really metal. It was uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Murphy's Law, and I Love You. And it was a two-week spring break event down in uh, Florida uh, back in 1989. And that was oh, the I'm, best two weeks of my life. That must a been road. wild. <laughs> it was. It was especially during spring break, and we visited every major city. And everyone was every every show was packed. Uh, I got crazy photos, you know, and, you know, and uh, it was just like you know living that rock star life for a few weeks. And at that time period, and on the, on spring break, and you know everyone's going crazy, at, you know, at the shows. And, like the Chili Peppers at the end of the show down in Miami at the cameo, you know, just came out their socks on at the end. Uh, That was pretty funny because I what I did was I thought it was all over with. I put my camera equipment away in the bus because it was right outside. And then the next thing you know, I'm hearing something. I come back in and, you know, they're already on stage, you know, with just their socks on playing in their, their last their last song. Uh, but that was that was a pretty cool that was a pretty cool event, man. I loved uh I loved going out there and working with the bands and stuff. Very cool.
2: Yeah, definitely definitely a a fun atmosphere, fun vibe, or yeah. kind of more like like we were saying, like a community, you know. And it's right. Kind of lacking these days. It really seems like.
3: No, me, a a lot of those bands used to like within their own respective genres, people kind of stayed in their own lane, but for the most part, it, it did seem like a party. Now everything just seems so sterile and so cold. Mm-hmm. Like it, there, there's no warmth. There's no love. There's no, there's no soul. When I, when I see the, the, the top 40 stuff now, and we've talked, we've talked about AI a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. I, I I predict there is going to be a a vanillification of artists in the future. When when you have the the AI doing like a, a Christmas song in the style of Lil Jon and it sounds like Lil Jon did a Christmas song, that shows you how replaceable this music is. It, music is being questionable. And I I think that this is this is going to be the trend because you can just, you can cut out the middleman. You know the band, or I'm sure you know the band, but do you like the band Garbage? I okay,
5: it.
3: okay, cool. So that band, they were just producers that just said, like, why don't we start our own band and let's just get a hot chick to sing. And that was just how that band started. <laughs> and I, I think we're going to see that, producers doing that with AI. Like, like instead of finding... Someone and putting them through the ringer. Like, why don't we just have AI make the songs, and it's going to be overproduced anyway because it's AI. It's going to sound perfect, and then we'll just have someone come out and just be the face for it. Hmm. Like, it it's it's really we're, like we're we're seeing a, a big de-evolution in the music world. Where where music, one thing that was cool about like the the live shows is there is an energy to being. 20 feet away from Dave Mustaine or Gary Holt. Like there's something ab- about that. It, it, it's just, there's a, a uh, an electricity to mm-hmm. it where that, that's all gone. And then now music is almost kind of like a background noise. And, and uh, that's why the, these metal bands, they, they still exist because people want that. They crave that. You can't get that with this new top forty stuff, and the, these people are all just like TMZ nightmares. Like that, they're they're more interesting because they're train wrecks. Like all of them have controversy. Like lo- yeah. long long gone are the 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 wholesome days of motley crew <laughs> doing a bunch of drugs and destroying hotel rooms, <laughs> and, and and banging prostitutes. That that's that's all gone. Now it's like they're like killing each other.
1: <laughs> well, it, don't forget about Vince Neil. <laughs> well, that's true. Vince Neal did—he no. did, did, some did, did, he did kill
3: someone. That's yeah, yeah. but and and I know exactly not not, not I know yeah, exactly not that me. it's okay that he did that, and he is solely responsible for that. But it's not like he got in the car, saw that guy, and then ran him over, and then <laughs> and then got a podcast in prison.
5: which (laughs) actually,
3: yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just, it's just a weird time. And, and I, I think that this is, this is not a sustainable model and I think it is going to collapse because it's, it's almost certainly going to revert to AI and these songs are going to be popular because it's just played over and over. It's just a TikTok, Spotify, YouTube, whatever. They're all like the the number one thing and all the videos are going to associated with it and they're going to be overproduced and all these young people they're they're going to be talking about it in the new water cooler and they're still going to do live performances of these things it's just going to be and i'm sure most of these top 40 artists they're not actually singing and some of them probably are taylor swift probably is lady gaga i'm sure is but most of them auto tune well yeah but most of them probably aren't they're just lip syncing And the concert tickets are still going to be $500. Uh, But uh, as, uh, as as the, the, the dollar keeps devaluing, that's not going to be sustainable, but Hey, we could go do that. Or we could go see this rock band for $5. Like, well, I kind of. Right. And I think, I think a lot of people just don't know that that exists because, uh, Go ahead. You
1: need to seek it out. You need to seek it out.
3: Right. Right. Well, most people don't don't know that they can seek it out, and then eventually they catch on, and and that's where a lot of these younger bands they are they are getting kind of a a, 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 a second chance because a lot of the the guys in the eighties only a small handful of them really made it, but most mm-hmm. of them like Blossom and Jetsum they deserve to have made it. They just they just didn't get that same opportunity that a lot of people did. And a lot of bands, they, they really didn't get their chance till later on I, Testament, even though they did some pretty big shows in the eighties, they didn't catch on like Slayer. And I'd say they're probably more popular now than they, they were in the eighties.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I don't know what happened with Flotsam because they did have a lot of opportunities. It wasn't like they were denied opportunities. I just think things changed. I don't know, maybe in a weird way, like at the time of grunge coming in and whatnot. But I mean, they were they were famous just because of Jason uh, Newstead. And then when they came out, and we did a lot of shows with them when they toured for the first album for Doomsday when I was in Hades. And they were just, you know, they were launching. And we were opening for all the bands that were launching into the stratosphere at that point, like uh, Megadeth, like Anthrax, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the Armored Saint we played with, you know, like, guys that were just you could tell they were bre- metal churches another example were just mm-hmm. brewing under the shirt and they're just about to go nuclear and a bunch of those bands did go big and flotsam just never did that and i credit them to no end for continuing to do it and continually upping their game like they're not just putting out crappy metal just to keep putting out music they're really like they've changed it up over the years and they're just interesting to listen to i think as a listener but they didn't get, like you said, the the success that a lot of these other guys did, you know?
2: Yeah. And I think to add to AC, AC's point about AI is that you can't have AI recreate or make metal. You know, you can't, it, it's not even close to being there, but you can with a pop song or a rap song and just put in these beats and it'll probably, uh, clean up their, their grammar as well. <laughs> like, it, like the AI will literally make these rap songs better, you know, quote unquote, um, but no, it, it can't do the uh, Slayer. It can't do these guitar solos. It, it doesn't have a soul. And metal has a soul. You know that that's kind of like the point of all this. And yeah, hopefully, people will realize. And, and we we're also thinking, okay, like, what music can people listen to in the mainstream that makes you want to pick up a guitar? Want make you want to play drums? You know, it's, You're not a poet listening to. Um, Cardi B or Nicki Minaj. Like that's not going to get you to think
1: better or be more creative, but metal right. will. I get it. I, I totally agree.
3: Well, I, I believe you have some lyrics in front of you. I think this is a good segue. <laughs> to that. Yeah. Well, well this, this is a song. Yeah. Nor, normally we, we pick drill rappers who usually rap about all the, the murders they actually commit, but I thought I'd go a little more outside the box and get something that's uh, an actual number one hit from a a major Mm. artist. So this is, uh, (laughs) I believe run the world by Beyonce Knowles. And this was a song that was written by six people. So it took six people to write this song.
2: How many producers?
3: (laughs) Oh, I'm sure there's 10 at minimum. (laughs) I don't know and if you, you guys know this. Read the, you just want me to read the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's you know, if, if you want, there's parts where it's it says the same thing over and over. You know, you can kind of say it a few times <laughs> and then just skip to the next part.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, there's an intro involved here, and then it begins. Girls, ah, yeah, we run this mother. Ah, yeah, girls, ah, yeah, we run this mother. Ah, uh, yeah. Then that repeats a couple more times. And then it gets to the chorus, which is, who run the world, girls? Which is grammatically incorrect, of course. Who run the world, girls? Who run the world, girls? And that goes on for like 12 more times. So, <laughs> then there's then, there, then there's the first verse. Oh. Some, we haven't gotten to the first verse yet. Some of, oh. them, some of them men think they freak this like we do, but no, they don't. Make your check. Come at they neck, which I don't understand what that means. <laughs> Disrespect us. No, they won't. Boy, don't even try to touch this, to touch this. Boy, this beat is crazy, crazy. This is how they made me, made me. Houston, Texas, baby. This goes out to all my girls that in the club rockin' the latest who will buy it for themselves and get more money later. I think I need a barber. Barber, none of these blank can fade me, fade me. I'm so good with this. I remind you, I'm so hood with this. Boy, I'm just playing. Come here, baby. Hope you still like me. F you, pay me. My persuasion can build a nation. Ooh, ooh. Endless power with our love we can devour. Ooh. You'll do anything for me. Who run the world? Girls, girls, girls. And then who run the world, girls, girls, for like another twenty times? <laughs> and then we get to verse two. Oh Lord, <laughs> it's hot up in here. DJ, don't be scared to run this. Run this back, DJ. They're talking to you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm repping for the girls who taken over the world. Help me raise a glass for the college grads. Forty-one Rolly to let you know what time it is. Check. You can't hold me. You can't hold me. I work my nine to five. Better cut my check. This goes out to all the women getting it in. You on on your grind. To other men that respect what I do, please accept my shine. Boy, you know you love it. How we smart enough to make these millions, strong enough to bear the children, then get back to business. See, you better not play me. Oh, come here, baby. Hope you still like me. F you, pay me my persuasion can build a nation endless power with our love we can devour you'll do anything for me who run the world girls do i really have to finish this i'm almost <laughs> done <laughs> and then it's run. who run the world who run the world girls 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 and that's kind of how it ends
3: <laughs> yeah oh, six goodness. people it took six people to write that <laughs> crazy
2: yeah, so the next time you guys are on, we're gonna make Frank re- read read the lyrics. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> no
5: we'll, we'll get, we'll get you know. a good one.
2: Uh,
3: yeah. I'm a photographer. Yeah. I'm not a singer. No. <laughs> oh. no, well, none of these people no. are singers or any kind of artist. Yeah, you'll do it no, better, Frank. I can't see myself doing that. That's <laughs> great. Play. This oh, this God. was a number one hit. You you my, you don't know the millions that'll come to you by stringing together how poorly these words have been. Yeah. yeah wh- st- when, if you listen, if you heard that song, you probably wouldn't think anything of it, but hearing the lyrics in their unadulterated form, like someone wrote that down. Like when I, when I write lyrics, uh, I, I think like, okay, does this sound stupid? Yes. No. Okay. <laughs> moving on. No one Is thought that. Correct. <laughs> yeah no one thought that in, my in persuasion
2: process. can build an asian like it's in there twice <laughs> like, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, alan like what what are you because you probably you come you're a singer you come up with lyrics is that kind of like in line with what ac is saying about how you you would come up with lyrics yourself or,
1: oh yeah or what? yeah yeah okay. I'm, I'm in fact i'm totally rewriting a song right now that i wrote about watchtower uh, in working with the Watchtower guys, I'm rewriting it because it was just too obnoxious. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I'm always rewriting things and and just trying to make sure they sound as you know smart and intelligent as possible, and they rhyme well and
3: all that kind of stuff. You know, well maybe that's the problem. I mean, these people are billionaires, and then they write the stupidest thing possible. Maybe it's like an Andy Kaufman joke, where the joke is like, we don't know that they're just messing with us. <laughs> maybe sometimes I, I just i just wonder about that because the the people that that i don't want to say sing these songs because they're not singers they're mm-hmm. just they're kind of just talkers the 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 people that mouth these words they're they're not writing any of this they have no input on how any of this is done so i wonder if if any of the producers are like that we'll get them to say anything like, and no one no one will know Cause when we did a, an episode on Lizzo, well, a few times, but uh, <laughs> did the, the first episode. time, the first time we looked into Lizzo, her, her album had, I think, 22 producers. Mm-hmm. What, it, what in, in music do you need 22 people to do one task for? It makes no sense. And, and each song had like 10 individual producers on it. That that's how stupid these people are. They they yeah. this is how many handlers they need,
2: and they still get in trouble.
3: And they yes, <laughs> <and> exactly. <they, laughs>
1: oh, well, it's, um, a it's a far cry from the way we do it.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, of course. Like we we do it with a purpose. They 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 do it because someone puts a, a check in their hand. They, have, yep. they, they they are puppets like in, in the sense that someone else is telling them what to do and just they they don't care they don't know they're just like okay give me drugs give me money that i don't I don't care yeah you're right well I think we are we are coming up on the hour and I do want to thank you both for your time uh so thank we'll, you we'll go with Frank yeah. is is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, please buy a New Jersey Metal Book.
0: At, uh, you go to JerseyMetalBook and we also have shirts and other merchandise for sale. You can check that out on our website. And uh, it'd be great to have some uh, new faces come come by and see us when we're out there, also uh, at events, selling the uh, the book and everything else we have going on. And of course, yeah, links. Yeah,
1: chiller. Here in New Jersey, right? Is it April twenty sixth to twenty eighth, something like that, Frank?
0: It's it's the last it's the last weekend in um, in April, and we we might do several other uh, events too in the coming months. So uh you know we'll put, we'll post those up so everyone can check that out.
1: Yeah, we'll put it on our Facebook. We'll put it on our website. Yeah, jerseymetalbook.com That's the best way. We got like beanies, pants, shirts, all kinds of stuff with Jersey Metal swag. Uh, do you have spats
3: not yet but we're getting them okay <laughs> how about um how how about a beret not yet <laughs> have okay. a baseball
1: cap have a baseball cap oh okay. <laughs> okay i like
3: that what about a brassiere
1: not yet <laughs> okay. it's possible all right <laughs> and you can never know
3: oh, perfect. it's in the works one
1: of the local Jersey bands that's that's featured prominently in the book uh, is Monroe, and I remember when Monroe was out playing in clubs, they were selling panties with the Monroe logo on it, and they were selling. They had a lot of women followers, you know. So who knows? But they
0: never got signed as a band. That's just that's it. True. They were like very big, and uh, they could have done it. And today, uh, the uh, singer of uh, Monroe has Billy Monroe and the Soul Survivors, and he's doing a, a set of music you know like they did back uh 30 40 years ago and uh but you know he has a tattoo shop that he, he runs and uh so that's where he's pretty much settled in you know so uh, i wish those guys uh made it big you know they would have saw what the uh world has to you know offer them and all but it just didn't happen that way so we you know we made sure that they got in there prominently Because uh, they were great musicians and they just had uh, a little bit of bad luck when it came to uh, making it to the next uh, big step. Uh, But we try to give everyone a fair shot in the book, you know, uh, bands that really never made it, uh, bands that almost did, bands that, uh, you know, maybe had an album or two, and bands that just kept on going, you know, to
1: this day. And also major big bands that Frank shot that just played in New Jersey that weren't from New Jersey. You know, he's got amazing photos of Iron Maiden, Led Zeppelin, like you name it. Wow. Perfect. Yeah,
2: And Alan, uh, anything you'd like to plug uh, yourself?
1: No, just all the stuff Frank said, you know, okay. we're really working hard on volume two, which again is going to be the hardcore years of the metal scene, you know, 87 to 04 um we're probably i'd say almost knee deep in it it's going to be a while before we're done with it but having done the first one and then the revised version of the first one which mm. we just came we just have uh finished now and we will have at that, that chiller thing in april uh other than that we really just want to get going on the second one and get it done because it is quite a bit of work the first book took frank and i two and a half years to complete and we're like he said he's trying to get this done with us uh together sometime next year hopefully
2: okay well Excellent. Yeah. We'll try to get you out of here. So you can go back and, and work on that book and get that out. And, you know, and even if someone wasn't a directly a part of, you know, the New Jersey metal scene, you know, the book should still be an interesting uh, look at the vibrant scene that spawned some amazing careers. So everyone go and check that out. We'll put all your links in, in the description. So everyone can find both you guys, Alan and Frank really, really, really appreciate your time and, and your careers, man. Like we'll, we'll keep this metal thing going Please feel free to come back anytime. You know, either before or when the next uh, book is out, we'd love to have you. You guys were exceptional guests, and you know, please, you know, stay safe out there. You too, and thanks Thank for you. keeping the
1: metal alive. Thanks for keeping the metal alive, brothers. It's all good. Heck yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs>
3: We are back and that was levin brick Sardakar by nefron ka now we have a new guest joining us for the second hour musical legend jeff carlisi how are you doing my friend
4: i'm doing great it's really nice to be here ac well, dj
2: well oh, the pleasure is all ours you know um got a 38 special um it's one of my personal favorites and it's amazing that, you know, in 1984, Huey Lewis and the News opened for you guys and Bon Jovi opened for you in 1986. So so you're not just some guy.
4: <laughs> no. <laughs> if you look back on, uh, you know, on the career uh, at this point in time, you really put things in perspective. For example, uh, we formed 10 years after the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. That's not very long. You know, it's like, wow. And then you realize, yeah, you've been around for quite a while. And we were fortunate to, to have a long career. Um, we, uh, basically, with the original members of the band, uh, lasted for twenty years, and and kept going for almost thirty years. Um, and actually, technically, the band's still together. I have Don Barnes, the other guitar player, still in the band, but he's the last, um, the last surviving member. So, yeah, it was really good, and we got to meet a lot of people. We. On our way up, we made friends and toured with everybody from the Starship to ZZ Top and uh, and Rush, and uh, that was really a lot of fun. And then later on, uh, as you mentioned, Huey Lewis and the News and Eddie Money and Bon Jovi and even my daughter thought it was pretty cool that Bon Jovi opened for us. <laughs> <laughs> if,
2: if the kids think it, it's, uh, you know, don't get embarrassed by dad, you know.
4: <laughs> but Well, it was, it was uh, funny because they came to, uh, when I was living in Atlanta, they came to play um, uh, the venue there and got in touch with uh, Tico and went out and played some golf and he says, hey, you want to come to the show? Yeah, sure. So brought my daughter with me. And they had them all, she and her friends set up on the side of the stage. And uh, when she saw the show, she came to me later on, she goes, Dad, now I get it. I said, what do you get? She goes, that's what you used to do. And it was kind of (laughs) like, yeah, now I remember. (laughs) That's
2: kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's interesting, too, that uh, I did see that in 2021, there were a couple um, reissues of uh, Wild-Eyed Southern Boys and Special Forces. And I guess I don't necessarily know what that exactly means. Uh, AC probably does. He's more of the, uh, the well, music. What it, what it, what it music means
3: games. is it was issued once and then it was issued again. That's oh. what reissue means.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, the, the thing, I, I was just as confused as you guys were. Um, <laughs> I got a phone call uh, wanting to know if I'd be interested in doing some press with uh, the UK, Australia someplace else and I said, what's this all about? And says it's reissue of of the records. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was Snake Snake Farm, Uh, they licensed, I guess with universal Snake Farm. Yeah, pretty sure it was called Snake Farm Records. And but the cool thing about it is they rewrote the liner notes. They Mm -hmm. they reiterated what they were what the liner notes were in 1981 and 83, but then they added to it to to continue the history of the band. And the vinyl was pressed in the wild eyed Southern boys. Vinyl was in a, a bright red vinyl. And then the special forces album was done in an orange vinyl. So made it a little bit different, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I talked to um, uh, a lot of folks from uh, the UK, especially in the press there. And I was a little bit not shocked. I mean, we played, the UK before and toured Europe, but uh, I was I was shocked that there was such a resurgence in the interest of Thirty Eight Special uh, and the, and the music. So it was kind of cool. Well, that well, probably comes
3: from just this, this new era, and we've talked about this many times. And it's it's this whole how streaming works. Is before you know if you didn't hear it on the radio, how are you going to hear it, or, or if you didn't see it on MTV? you know, you, there's only so, so many records you can buy before you realize, oh, I just, I bought a bunch of duds, but now, you know, you're just listening to something on YouTube or what a lot of kids do now is they watch TikTok videos and then they'll hear 15 seconds of a song and they go, ooh, that song sounds cool. I'm going to look that up. And then a lot of these things, they, they get, I don't want to say a new life, but the next generation learns about it. And the, as much as I dislike this, the way the streaming works, it does make it very easy for people to find bands that they probably would never hear about. Like people that listen to Lil peep, they're probably not looking for 38 special or even Leonard Skinner or something like that.
4: Right. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. AC see one, uh, in, in uh, to give a variation variation of that concept, going back further, uh, after I left 38 Special, I started a, a, a camp, mm. summer camp for kids, putting them in bands and exposing them to music. And a lot of my friends came and did master classes uh, and talking to a lot of the kids. They they knew the music. I mean, these were. 12, 13, 14 year old kids. And I asked them, I said, how do you know this music? Whether it was 38 Special or any other type of classic, um, quote, classic rock songs they were playing. And their answers were threefold, basically. My, my older brother turned me on to it. My mom and dad listened to it. And I liked it. Um, and or I, I heard it on um, uh, satellite radio. Uh, which which kept it alive a lot, and there are, you, you realize that there are kids out there and, and people that that uh, gravitated toward that music for whatever reason. Uh, you know, when people say oh, the music isn't the same anymore, well, music's still good; it's just different, and you have to sort through it. Uh, trends trends change, and 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 music evolves into different things. But uh, because of as you were saying, streaming and satellite radio, and then passing it you know, it's not, it's kind of like, it's not your father's Oldsmobile anymore. Just because as you get older, your parents, as you get older, you're not going to go back and listen to Dean Martin or big band and swing. I mean, you may, because it's good stuff, but it's not, it doesn't mean that that's the age demographic that you have to go back. You listen to the the music you grew up with for the rest of your life. And that's why places like Las Vegas now, and you go to some of these residencies and these shows, you know, that, average age of the crowd is mid 60s uh because that was the the, the uh, music of their um of their life and their generation so that's a cool thing uh and if streaming makes people aware that there are other options out there um yeah so be it it's, it's good i
3: actually think a lot more people are going back to like big band era i know a lot of people that like Like '60s country, and not just Johnny Cash, because Johnny Cash had his resurgence when that movie came out like 20 years ago. But like people like like Buddy Knox or like Sanford Clark, and I think that's because I I would disagree that um, new music (laughs) is good. It's I I think and mainstream. We're we're, we're talking top top 40, you know, Billboard Billboard music. It's it's really stale. It. There's no variety. There is good music out there. You've just never heard it. That's that's the thing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You go go well, to the you, local you coffee internet,
4: shop. There's no variety because the industry has evolved into flavor of the month. You know, all of a sudden, and you probably started seeing it. Um, in my opinion, in the you know early '90s when Nirvana came out and the mm. grunge movement and the whole Seattle movement, that all mm. of a sudden you had, and nothing against them, but you had. Uh, Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and um, you know th- that genre, and Yeah, exactly. And it was it was a little difficult, and I tried to stay on top of it, but it was a little difficult to differentiate between those um, those bands the, uh, stylistically. And if you think about it, uh, even beyond the '60s, and you go to the '70s, I mean, you could tell the difference between Kansas and Foreigner. or REO Speedwagon and Leonard Skinner. And, yeah, 38 Special and whomever. Everybody had a distinctive sound. And growing up in the 60s, it was really more apparent because, number one, the pot wasn't as big. But it was exciting when a band would come out because the sound was brand new. I mean, the first people said, who was the first metal band you ever heard? I said, well, um, Black Sabbath. I said, they, to me, that was the beginning. But I said, also, in a different way, the band Mountain, which was a, they were a huge influence. Queen. Yeah, I mean Leslie <laughs> West, one of the greatest to ever spank a plank. Um, that was that was a, a metal band. That was a heavy band, and um, you know you could say to some degree that that Cream was and some of the stuff that they would get into and the way they played. So all those influences seeped out but there was individuality everybody had a sound and you could pick it out that quick that's the hard thing today is because you know radio formats and and record companies whatever they want well yeah we want another band like that or a band that sounds like them and every it becomes homogenized so yeah it gets harder and harder to find the good stuff well they they
3: just they just make them now because you you bring up russian foreigner I would, would say when you say the, those bands have distinct sounds, I'd say Rush has a distinct sound because of how Geddy Lee sings and even how Neil Peart plays, but there is so much variety in all their songs. Like ACDC, as much as I do love ACDC, all of their songs virtually sound the same. Like When AC, ACDC puts a song out, you're like, yep, that's ACDC. Led Zeppelin, um, very experimental band. They do a lot of things that like, oh, that's a Led Zeppelin song. Oh, geez. I had no idea. But like same with foreigner. There's a lot of things that a lot of those bands would do where they would get out of their own comfort zones. And I don't think it was so much as like, we need to find who we are. I think it was just a time when people were rewarded for being more creative but now I, I don't I don't think it's flavor of the month. I think they've decided we have one flavor and we're gonna stick with it. The music industry has become in and out burger. It's like we got one burger. Now do you <laughs> want fried onions and, and uh, Thousand Island dressing on it or not? okay? That's it. You know, you know, that's pretty ta- good. Take it you, for you have... yeah, take it for, for what it is. It's well, it. It's, it's, you could take anyone off the street and you can make them the, the next top artist because we're, we've talked about AI and how you can use AI to make the songs by these artists. Just look at the top 40. All of those artists, quote, quote unquote, they're, all their songs sound the same. There, there's, there's not, not only is there no variety in top 40, the artists themselves, there's no variety in their songs. So when they have a new song ca- that comes out, it's just the the trained seals just clap at it, like. But yeah. before you, like you, you used to be excited for something new because it—that's what it was. It was it was something new. It-
4: well, and a lot of that, I th- you, you make a good point. A lot of that, I think, also forget about the tech uh, the the technical part of it. In other words, with uh, um, what do you call it? Um, where they fix your vocal um, auto-tune. You know, auto-tune auto-tune you know yeah. i mean everybody just hey put some more auto-tune on there but when you think about it is the the new artists and the young artists now for the most part the majority of them are being influenced by the artists from just five or ten years yeah, ago I was gonna say or five 15 years right so when they when there's a a sameness to the music well, you're being influenced by the same stuff over and over again. And it becomes homogenized and normal. You're not willing to not willing, but you're not able, um, as a musician to, to develop good or bad, a sound of your own because you're, you're, you've heard all this sameness, if you will, for a long time, and um, a theory. Um, but, Yeah, if you're just hearing the same thing over and over again or eating the same thing over and over again, you know, that's all you're going to do. And that's all you're going to – that's the only flavor you're going to get. So – and again, long time, you know, 60s, um, 70s, even into the 80s, um, there was a lot of variety. And as you said, it made it interesting. Something, whoa, who's that? What are they doing? And, and, And bands that got out of their comfort zone too. We always tried to do that, but it was scary because we knew what radio wanted and we didn't write for radio. You know, you don't, you don't just sit down and go, okay, we got to write a hit song today and then we'll be done with it. You know, they happen by accident. They have to feel good. And and there has to be some real um, uh, honesty to the song, but yet you always wanted to go do something else. Nobody's ever going to play this. We don't care. as artists, as musicians, we want to do something that that um, is not what we normally do or is a little bit uh, out of the box. So remember the good old days. <laughs>
3: well, fun, yeah, yeah. fun fact, uh, in 1984 alone, Metallica and Judas Priest both wrote songs on their albums that released that year with the intent purpose of being radio hits. Judas Priest wrote, Some Heads Are Gonna Roll, just like, let's put a song that'll be radio-friendly. Metallica wrote Escape, just to have a song that would be radio-friendly. Now, um, ironically, the the most notable song from that album was For Whom the Bell Tolls, which is like the least radio-friendly song on the album. But I believe Some Heads Are Gonna Roll ended up being a, a pretty big hit for Judas Priest. Not the biggest hit from that record, but...
4: Yeah, good for them to be able to do that. I mean, yeah. I I couldn't be that uh, methodical or that uh, uh, focused on that kind of concept. You know? Well, and, to and me, how, yeah. sorry, go
3: ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just
4: say, everything's for me. Everything was just an accident. It's like war: winning battles, losing battles, just an accident. <laughs> you know, if you win, it's an accident.
3: Oh, I hope I hope that's not the case because uh, now <laughs> things are looking a little bleak for us. Then, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you, you know,
2: uh I'm not sure if you're much of a, a football fan. I know AC is, and we got I, the Super fan. Bowl coming up. I don't. And... I,
3: I, I'm going to level with you right now. I have no idea who's even playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs>
2: well, you know who's playing the halftime show. I do. You? Know,
3: I know who's playing the halftime show. I don't know what teams are playing. All
2: right, well, we got. Usher playing in the Super Bowl uh, the halftime show, and I'm thinking, why wasn't 38 Special ever asked? Because um, these halftime shows are, you know, supposed to feature like American red blooded bands or um, or, or <laughs> foreigner. Sure, uh, but we've got the last Leonard few. Skinnered. yeah, the last few have been like Lady Gaga, Justin Timberlake, Maroon Five, Jennifer Lopez. And Shakira in 2020. Uh, the weekend, then you've got in 2022. This is what I'm like, okay, this is there's something going on here. Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. And last year was Rihanna, and this year we get Usher. That's
3: (laughs) and we just did an interesting episode on Usher and his very disturbing past. But I just think
2: 38 special is the perfect band for that. And whatever decade really, any time in the eighties would have been perfect.
4: We'd have to go back to when the Jets beat the Colts. <laughs>
3: wasn't was wasn't that in like like Super Bowl like one, two or three? It was, three. It was Super oh, Bowl. Oh my three.
2: gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well back yeah. then they had, you know, marching bands from um like colleges, schools, right?
3: Or college. In, yeah.
2: And high school, yeah which is interesting where it's, it's devolved into just kind of like music and in the mainstream has devolved in, in our and opinion.
4: I actually did hear a marching band at a college game do hold on loosely.
2: No that's way. Cool. Yeah. That yeah. is really cool. cool.
4: Yeah. Very cool.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. So that's- well,
3: but yeah, but the greater point is okay. I know, I know the who did a halftime show some years ago and I know it was, it was, like a huge disaster, a friend of mine, he was an older guy. He's, he said he stopped being a fan of the who after watching that. Like, well, that seems a little hyperbolic, but, but you know, Paul McCartney did a set like, I don't know, 10 or so years ago. And then he was still doing good. Uh, Prince did a set. I want to say like 15 or so years ago and he was still doing good. Mm -hmm. The, and there's, there's plenty of legacy acts that are still.
4: Didn't
3: they? That's uh, right. Yeah,
2: they did it in 2006.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Almost 20 years ago. (laughs) Even, (laughs) even, like, obviously we're not going to get what we would want. Like, we're not going to have, like, you know, Cannibal Corpse playing or, or like, (laughs) Marduk or something. Uh, But why not ever, even Metallica? Like, Metallica is not really a metal band for half of their songs. That is very accessible, like, dad rock. So sure. there, there, there is, there is a, there is a active push to kind of remove rock from the mainstream. So when you bring up the, the homogeneity of all these, these songs that of, of course, if, if this is what they're piggybacking on, of, of course, this is what the new stuff is going to sound like. Well, they, one, they don't know that there's other stuff. And two, they're not allowed to know that there's other stuff. People accidentally find stuff. I discovered 38 special because there was a radio station that I used to listen to because I was, I got burned out on metal. I was like, uh, eh, I want to listen to something else. And then I just found an eighties station and, um, caught up in you was played all the time. And then eventually <laughs> I was like, you know what? I got this thing called the internet. I'm gonna. I know the lyrics to the song. I need to, to find what this is. And that's what I used to do is I would hear a song and. And then I would, I would just write the lyrics down and I was like, okay, okay, now what is this? And then I would go and like, like in quotes, I would put the lyrics that I wrote. And that's how I, I found a bunch of bands. Now you have apps that you just like hold your Shazam. phone up to. Yeah. You hold your phone up to something and it'll just tell you it. Or if you're just on YouTube or Spotify or whatever, it'll get, there it is. It's right there because not every radio station would say, and that was Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. They used to do that, <laughs> but they'll, they'll, they'll play like, like 10 songs in a row before the, the yeah. DJ comes back. And uh, I, I don't know what eight of those songs were. Like, you just told me the last one. Like, yeah, I know Felice Navidad. You don't have to tell me that one.
4: <laughs> that was one of our pet peeves. And so he wouldn't back. Was Felice announce- Navidad? <laughs> So, no, I I they, yeah
3: they I, I I understand I yeah I got you. I understand that completely <laughs> because I want to know what most of these songs are.
4: Sure.
3: Especially when you're listening to uh, like a retro station. Now, if you're listening to something more modern, you've probably heard the songs that they're playing over and over. I I don't I know radio stations still exist, but I I whenever I listen to a radio station, it's usually like an oldies station. I don't know. I mean, there's gotta be modern radio stations, but I can't see young people who are the people that listen to this modern swill
4: actually turning a
3: radio on.
4: Well, it's kind of like a rotary dial phone for them.
3: Oh yeah. Well, it's like, no, the, you know, the ones from like the twenties where you have to hold the one thing to your ear and then the, <laughs> you hold the rod in front of your, that's what it's yeah. like it's it's even more antique it's like or it's like a carrier pigeon even like it's like the most primitive thing possible so well, how, with, how much go ahead. do you think go ahead.
4: Go, talking about what we're you know the the super bowl and the bands uh or the artists that play everything we've been talking about how much do you think social media has affected that whole um they, metamorphosis you will of entertainment Uh, i would say
3: only a small amount because i would say that metamorphosis of entertainment influenced the social media because it saw that the people were on social media and then it just shifted the the marketing because uh, going back to this thing that we've we've not only did we say an hour one but we've said it a billion times rick Mm -hmm. ernst at our, our good friend rick ernst W- working at MTV said that there was an order to turn off the metal. Like top down said, you know, it metals at its peak, turn it off. So if they're just turning the metal off, why wouldn't they turn that off for the rock? Why wouldn't they turn that off for the jazz? Like, it doesn't matter if you like any of these genres or not. It, w- like when was the last time there was a, a, a mainstream jazz artist in the top 40? And and there's, and jazz is another genre like metal. There are plenty of jazz musicians that are still doing shows. Like there are, there are cool bars and clubs where you can see very impressive jazz musicians, same with blues, same with metal, even, even like outlaw country like that, like that kind of Southern rock. You can still find country that doesn't sound like Morgan Wallen. doesn't matter if you like him or not, but modern country is very much. It's basically pop. Rob Zombie once called it pop for rednecks. He said, that's not country. <laughs> and I, and I, I completely understand what he means. And, and if you like country, it doesn't matter. It top 40 country is, is in a very similar boat. It's, it's, it's no longer Hank Williams. No, not even Hank Williams. The third it's, it's very much.
5: It's soft accessible.
3: Jordan. No, no, it's, it's very yeah. soft and accessible music. And, and I think this was put on people and I think, th- and they've flooded social media with this and it's, it's, I don't think it's them catering to the market. I believe it's the, them creating the market because if there's an order to turn off metal when it's at the height of like, this is right after the black album debuts at number one, uh, uh, use your illusions debuts at number one. Like this is, this is a big time for rock. You know, Countdown to Extinction didn't debut at number one. It debuted at number two, but still, these are big-selling records, and these bands are starting to get the the. I don't want to say the affection, but the they they're starting to get the recognition that they deserve that they worked for, and they're just nope, turn it off. And now there's no variety, and it's what's all over social media. I think it's length. I don't think it's the kids are talking about like I like this because if you meet young people. They're, they're not very smart and they, they don't have a lot of social skills and it's because they spend so much time on social media. So the social media is warping their brains. And that's what I think is getting them to think this is the kind of music to like. And when you listen to it, it does poison their mind. It, it doesn't say anything good. It's a bunch of narcissists. It's a bunch of psychopaths. It's people talking about murder. It's people talking about essentially <laughs> pornography. It, it's, it's nothing that, that kids should be hearing and again there there is a band that i like that is very vulgar in their lyrics but it's intentionally a joke so no parent would say oh that's okay little little timmy or, or little Janie can listen to that was absolutely not but like, like a 16 year old boy like, oh, that's funny and that's clearly the audience like at that point okay you know you've graduated to that but the people that are listening to this modern music, it's like 11 and 12 year olds. The, the music industry isn't like, what are the 11 year olds thinking? All right, that's the, those are the people that are on it. Cause they're not buying concert tickets. They're not buying albums. It's, it's, it's an inverse of what a lot of people think it is. In my opinion, I don't have the proof. We're still looking for it, but we have some evidence that suggests this outside of what our friend Rick told us go on.
4: Well, as we say down south, you ain't got to get all mad about it.
3: <laughs> if I don't get mad, who else will? <laughs> yeah, it's our job. <laughs> like when Miss Randall was on uh last week, right. when she she said like, "Oh, I you know, I don't I don't want to get angry over this." I said, "That's okay. I'll, I will for you." <laughs> yeah.
5: I'm per-
3: yeah. I'm, perf- I'm perfectly fine being being a voice that's saying that this is a problem cuz a lot of people they don't have the energy for it. Like how how many years did you spend dealing with with uh POSs in the music industry?
4: With who in the music industry? Uh
3: uh, ec- uh explicit and deleted word
2: like scum scummy people. Yes, not know. not good people. Ah. Persona <laughs> you, you non know. grata.
3: Okay.
4: No, I mean y- y- not that y- everyone kind of- is. Sorry
3: again? I said not that everyone is.
4: No, no, no. But yeah, you run into them and you, you pick and choose uh, the longer you're in it, the wiser you get. But uh, yeah, we were I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. We were very fortunate as a band that we were with a great record label for most of our career. And that was A&M Records. And um, Jerry Moss, uh, was one of the finest. Um, he and Herb Albert were two of the finest um, human beings that that you could imagine. Um, as, as the heads of a record label, and the way they taught their artists, and they were real—they were real music people. Uh, and maybe that was a time before it was—it was all about the bottom line. But so we—we, we, the point I'm trying to make is that we weren't uh, really the sleaze bags and the scumbags and whatever else. Um, we didn't deal with that too much. More, not so much from that part of the industry. Maybe there were a couple of promoters that weren't uh legit if you will
2: mm.
4: but uh you know it's just the music business no it's probably you know it's life, <laughs> it's life it? yeah, yeah. You no know, it really yeah. is
2: well and uh, oh sorry Jeff. Um, i was gonna say you know we had talked you know on the phone about you know that you had said that there's a pride of putting on a good show and that there were some bands that would you know get kind of messed up on on stage and you know th- it's not really respectful to the fans and and you're such a professional wanted to do such a great job but you also told me you know i asked you because i've heard that you know uh ted nugent never drank or did drugs and you said that that is true uh he never did any of that and you i think raced automobiles with him or against him that is uh, it's quite the life
4: (laughs) he uh yeah. I mean, and he's, uh, he, he's true to form. He is uh, what he is and uh, uh, take it or leave it, but he was, uh, that wasn't what he wanted to do. And, and for the most part, you know, the, the people that I knew or gravitated towards uh, obviously you got similar personalities and similar interests and whatever. And, and uh, yeah, no, we're not angels every day, but uh it was that handful of people that just had no respect once again for the fans, um, or just, I don't want to say they didn't have respect for them, but just that they, they came second. Um, and you know, you're, you're paying your hard earned money to buy a ticket to a show and you can't wait to see the guys walk out there. You know, you're holding the album cover and then you give them a, Uh, a lousy show it's just not fair we never wanted to do that because we remembered I mean as a kid growing up um, going to see bands and just walking away being completely disappointed Um, and you don't forget it and you 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 lose them as um, they've lost a fan by doing that Mm -hmm. so we didn't want to do it and we saw and I'm not going to mention names but there were a few artists that they had to be helped on stage just oh, to wow. get through the show. And it's like, no, I don't want to. Fortunately, you know, we, we, we had a few years before we got to that point of, of uh, the, having the, uh, the status of being a headliner. And, uh, and so we learned. And I, I guess we all had uh, upbringings where um, there has to be an honesty to what you do, an integrity. And we always, we never forgot that.
2: Yeah, I th- you guys had morals. <laughs> what was that, AC?
3: I was going to say, I, you contrast that with, with What's live today? with live shows now, and <laughs> they do put on a performance, but it does feel more like a Vegas show. And I, I am, I absolutely believe none of those people are singing. I believe that's all a track. I believe they're because like, DJ's talked about seeing Chris Brown, who's like flipping around and, and moving and stuff. That's not easy to do while singing. Singing is hard right. en- enough. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't believe for a second that those people are even like, like the, the show, it, it's it's no different than someone just like putting on a movie and and pressing play on, on a music player and just watching that. You're, there's there's a difference between hearing music out of stadium speakers and seeing a band perform that. Yeah, yeah. and I'll never no, forget. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry.
4: No, say I, you're, you're right, uh, and and it is difficult to do when you're doing basically, you know, if it's a song and dance type thing, the, the aerobics itself takes. Uh, uh, takes your breath away, let alone having to sing on top of it. And it's been shown in the past, the people that can do it, the people that can't. Uh, there was an, um, an example one time where I think it was Madonna, and she's doing all the choreography and dancing and whatever, and they had a track going on, mm. and it quit. And all of a sudden, she's singing <laughs> along with it, and it's like, couldn't <gasps> yeah, yeah. do it. <laughs> but now uh, a friend of mine was front of house um, engineer for Michael Jackson, that was Michael could do it all.
3: I I believe I mean, that. You
4: yeah. don't believe it?
3: No, no, I do believe it. That one, I yeah. do believe. I believe Michael Jackson actually did that.
4: Absolutely, yeah. And uh, like I said, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have second guessed it. But like I said, this buddy of mine said, "Nope, I was, I had the faders in my hand, and he did it all." So yeah, I mean, it, it can be done, but it's a, the, the the entertainment value has gone a different way. Like you said. It's like a, a cabaret or a Broadway show or whatever, um, as opposed to just, you know, how many times have you sit, heard someone say, man, the Eagles were really good, but it was like watching paint dry. Because <laughs> they just stood there, you know, well, they stand there. Clapton just stood there and cream, you know, they didn't jump around, but it was, you know, delivering the goods. So it's apples and oranges, it's, it's, it's whatever you want to do. And and uh, times have changed and uh, what people expect from, being entertained um is quite different i
3: I, that reminds me of of two funny stories it's it's from it's two two uh different generations so back when i was in high school a guy i knew he went to see the eagles with his family and he was a guy that liked metal generally no no no, relatively liked metal but he was used to more energy. And then he said, like seeing the Eagles, he was the only one standing. Everyone else just sat in their chairs and clapped. <laughs> and I knew this other guy. He was an older guy. He was in his sixties and he went and saw Leonard Skinnerd, And he said he had to leave because everyone was being too rambunctious. People were yelling and cheering and people were hitting beach balls around. Like, have you never been to a concert <laughs> before? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted everyone to just sit down and, and just enjoy <laughs> Leonard Skinner. No interaction. Don't be, don't have any energy. It reminds me of, of something that Henry Rollins was, was saying. He was talking about hair bands and he, he said he, he appreciated them doing the, like, I can't hear you. Like, and <laughs> like, you know, that, that stuff that they did. He's like, I prefer that to some guy that's like, the song is about starving children in Africa stop smiling. It's, it's fun to have that audience interaction. And it is something that, that will be, it'll be missing at least for a while. Cause the mu- music is not only stagnant, but concert tickets for those acts. It's like $500 for like mid tier. Oh, it's,
4: it's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. One of the things that, that you mentioned AC, that, that I go back to is, is, in the day uh, when bands were, let's just say, more static, um, the true charisma and personality of different artists came out. You were able to um, to really detect or see through. I mean, for example, I'm just giving you a few examples from growing up, but I remember I was fortunate enough to see the Allman Brothers many times when Dwayne was alive. And just... Forget about his playing, but just watching him, setting eyes on him, the charisma, the sparks that were coming off him was like nothing you've ever you could imagine. Um, Leslie West, as I mentioned before, with Mountain was another one. Um, my friend Alan Collins from Leonard Skinner, when I noticed the Freebirds become an old cliche and whatever, but when he would do the outro solo, it was like nothing you ever seen um and so those that expression of individual personality that comes out through the playing and through their presence and their aura i think a lot of that is missing now that the as you said the the the, the i don't want to say the dancing or the, but the sensationalism um the showmanship. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know you could say that. I would have said it earlier.
3: <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's a different, it's just a, it's a, it's a different world and it, it treats both the mm-hmm. audience and the artists completely different because when you don't have rock and roll, then kids don't know that they could aspire to be rock stars. And that means that they're not going to go through the grind of playing the live shows and developing that. Cause ever like, like Madonna doing her choreography and whatever, any of us can do that. I, all it takes is you have someone work with you for, you know, I don't know, a few weeks or something and you practice that every day. Anyone can do that. Contrast with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a natural performer. He was, yeah. he, he was a, a cut above. And I, I do have my opinions on Michael Jackson, and I'll save them for another time. <laughs> and I and I do believe they are a bit more nuanced than than most, uh, or I guess most isn't a word, but than most people. <laughs> but he he could do it all. He was he was a very impressive artist. And now what they do is just grab someone, lit- literally grab in many cases, just grab them off of an island, and then you just auto tune them up. And have uh, twenty producers uh, produce a record. I'm not even I'm not exaggerating. Literally, they'll twenty producers on a record, and they don't write any of their songs. And if they are not a good singer, it's okay. We have pro tools to, to fix all the imperfections. Have them sing to a tape, and no one will care. That was a big controversy when Milli Vanilli got exposed. Like oh, that yeah. was a big yeah. thing.
4: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and a, a real revelation, not revelation, because I already knew it, but one of the highlights of my musical career, and this is post-38 special, I was fortunate enough to um, to do a show playing guitar with Paul Rogers. And always was a fan from the time, from the days of Free, uh, and of course, Bad Company. And it was pretty exciting. And I remember doing the show and it's, it's on YouTube. You can see it. We did seven tunes and became pretty good friends. And I remember sitting there and the monitor was just had his voice in it next to me. And I'm going, are you kidding me? This guy is actually singing like this on stage, performing. And, you know, granted, one of the greatest rock and roll voices ever. But to see the dedication to, um, to believing and using his voice the way he did was incredible. And it made me play better. All of a sudden, it takes you to that next level. Um, it, it, it's just, it was fascinating. Uh, and, I, you know, that I love. Um, it was just, um, it was a, a moment I'll never forget. Still one of the greatest.
3: Inspiration is real. It it seems like it is a cliche, but you do genuinely get inspired when when you do see things like that. Like seeing Guaranteed. Megadeth, seeing Megadeth live, that really put everything into focus for me. Like okay, I am going to play guitar. I am I'm I'm going to do that. And, you know, I never did do that, but I did learn <laughs> guitar and I did put stuff out and it, whatever. But when that's not available, then you don't know that you can do that, and it, you don't really get inspired by this new stuff. And the thing is, I, I do think there is going to be a milli Vanillification of artists in the future. I do believe they're going to harness AI to just make songs, and they'll just find someone that looks attractive. They don't like you. Won't need people that can somewhat sing anymore. That is that is going to be a novelty. And they'll make a big deal about them, but then they'll just have these people that will be lip syncing and they'll be doing the dancing and, and no one will really care because there's, there's no real investment into the music world anymore. Everyone that, that pays attention to this stuff, they're almost like they're, they are brain dead.
4: But we'll still have a choice to pick and choose you know, the, the way we want to. And I was you know, telling DJ, um, about uh, you know, both of us being uh, Sicilian, <laughs> and about this young kid uh, Matteo Mancuso f- from Palermo, and he's revolutionized guitar playing. I mean, he's it's almost the most incredible thing since Eddie Van Halen and his technique. He's twenty-seven years old, hmm. and he to going back to inspiration. I'm inspired again. I pick up my guitar and I hold it for four hours instead of two hours now, because watching this 27 year old kid play is just absolutely amazing. And that inspiration is great. So at least there's, you know, people like that, be it him, be it a singer somewhere that are gonna carry that baton and continue to influence people so that music, you'll have a choice always. It's not always gonna be the same, it's not gonna be AI forever, but your point, about AI is well taken that, uh, you're going to use it to fabricate something that's not real and that's pretty scary. Well,
3: I I think YouTube has has done a lot to, to fill in that void that mainstream music has really denied a lot of people because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people that are on YouTube that, that they, they play better than most people that people hold as the gold standard like, um, journey singer, I think they, they saw him on YouTube. I, I I'm yeah. pretty sure like they just saw him singing a song on a, a journey song on the street corner. And he, the guy sounds like Steve Perry. I, I, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to tell the difference, especially now Steve Perry's older. So he probably just sounds better than him.
4: Yeah. And, and, um. What's his name? Yarnell or something? Or oh, I don't know. He's from the Philippines. Yeah, and you're right. Mm-hmm. He was on uh, YouTube. I think he was doing maybe a Journey karaoke tune or something. Oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, he's been with the band for a long time. And yeah, again, this is all just for discussion. Um, as a musician, and some of my colleagues said, "Well, is that the right thing to do to get a, a Steve Perry sound alight? Or do they have no choice but to get a Steve Perry sound alike? Hmm. Well, it's worked out great. Um, now, can he write songs like Steve Perry? So far, jury's still out on that.
3: <laughs> uh, no, uh, the the answer is no, and 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 that's yeah. that, that's the same thing with with Tim Owens joining Judas Priest because Rob Halford wrote all the lyrics. Well, he can sound sure. like Halford, and I'm not knocking Tim Owens, but. They're just because they sound the same doesn't mean their brains work the same,
4: right? Right, right.
3: And so, that uh, and,
4: go ahead, again, sorry. You know, I was just gonna say again, you know, the, the the personality of the original, or I've always said a band, you know, 30 specials made up of six guys we weren't the greatest musicians in the world, but but nobody, no other six guys can make the noise that we make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, there's a chemistry involved. So even when you take, um, a a band like queen for example as brilliant as freddie mercury was um well how do you replace him pretty much impossible they had paul rogers again for a little while and that was fine and now they have um um, adam levine adam Adam lambert i think
2: lambert yeah yeah you're right that's right wrong
4: Adam. uh, It does a respectable job, but when you go, you know, when you look at the creativity, and if you look at any documentaries, or you've studied Queen records, and you know, I was a huge Brian May fan, so I dissected those records. You're talking about a genius, (laughs) and whether it was Freddie Mercury or Dwayne Allman or you know any of these people, um, that's the important thing. Somebody that just develops something, and their personality comes through their their talent and that's real that's real the rest of it you can make it up all you want but uh doesn't mean anything to me
2: yeah you know i i do have a funny story i want to share with you jeff and i was asked uh, this from uh one of our listeners and he's um he's in his like uh like like early 60s but he, when i told him that you were uh you know gonna come on I mean, he's like, you know, 38 special kicks ass. Uh, he said, ask him about the girl in the caught up in you video. She was freaking hot. I was in love. <laughs> and and then the, the second part is that, and I apologize for this being a, a little vulgar, but he says, I also got laid with their help with, with 38 specials help. I, I met some gal when I was stationed in Tucson. Uh, he was in the Marines. Uh, the girl wanted to go back to my place and listen to some Zeppelin or Sabbath. Uh, I told her that I didn't have any Zeppelin or Sabbath CDs, but I did have some 38 specials. So he says, uh, make sure you tell him thanks and sorry at, uh about 30 years too late, but thanks nonetheless.
4: <laughs> no, that's okay. I mean, that's always been our objective in life is to get people laid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, to, to answer the other question, the, the girl in the video, her name was Sherry Shattuck. And she ended up, uh, first of all, a guy that did a photo shoot for us, a guy named Ford Smith, was a uh, photographer in Atlanta. And she was his girlfriend. And so when we did the video, we she was a local um, model, actress, you know, whatever. And uh, she ended up doing a couple of uh, B-movies. And whatever, and um, and then she just got out of the business. Started, I think, I can't remember. She started her own business that was unrelated to entertainment or modeling or acting or anything like that. And um, but yeah, people have asked that question a lot. who was she? Who was? She? <laughs> That's she? funny. Yeah, well, it
2: had an effect on uh, younger males at the time, <laughs> or yeah. probably all males. <laughs> well,
3: I want to I want to circle back to something that we asked in the first hour. What point would you say that a band mm. stops being the band, and we'll go with like the the ship of Theseus
4: question? Hmm. Good question. Um, well, I, I guess the thing, and I'm just looking at the back at my own career the defining moment the, the irony of being in a band this is just with us when we had nothing when we first started we're driving around on a, a mattress in the back of a ford Econoline van six guys uh to two hotel rooms including the, the our two road crew we had a ball it was all for one it was like the you know three musketeers all for one and one for all and um and, and a lot can, you know, you've heard the Beatles say that, John, where are we going, John? To the, uh, what was it? The tip or top of the, um, I can't remember the expression at the end. Um, um, but it was like going to the top of the charts when they were probably still the silver Beatles. And then when we started having success and we got our first gold record and then we start playing bigger venues And we're starting to make some money. Everybody's really happy until it gets to that point where everybody's looking over their shoulder. How come he's getting more than I'm getting? Or why did he get that? Or, and you're, instead of focusing on what got you there to that point, the jealousies and the envies and whatever, start getting into it. And it can go on for a while like that, but it eventually ruins it and you're not a band anymore. You know, you're a, um, You're an entity, you're a corporation, you're whatever. And the reason why you started doing it to begin with, when you picked up a guitar, was not to be famous. It's because you loved music. Or, you know, when I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show, like so many kids did at the time, it wasn't the screaming fans. It was the look and sound of an electric guitar. It just blew my mind. So that early part of the career, you're doing it for artistic artistic reasons and and developing um something conceptually that as a group as a team um you all believe in when that goes away then you're no longer a band
3: well i want to clarify what i that's not what i mean i mean that was a great answer though (laughs) that was yeah that was yeah what i mean is when does a band stop being that band? Like when you bringing up uh, journey, replacing Steve Perry and like, well, he sounds like Steve Perry, but at that point it's a journey because when, cause you think of bands and they have these distinct singers. Well, what oh. the, the, the most obvious example is ACDC and Bon Scott. They replace him with Brian Johnson and nobody questions if that's ACDC or not. So at what point the, cause the 38 special has one founding member. So at what point does that band, like, you're just using the name, like that's not 38 Special, or what that's not Metallica, that's not AC, whatever, pick pick your example, that's what I mean.
4: Well, two things. Number one, you have to always understand that it's the music that lives forever. It's not the the members of the band. Um, The music will go on and go on, and when you go to see bands today, there are a lot of bands out there that have, Maybe one. There are bands out there that have no original members, but yeah. somehow they they have the trademark or whatever. Well, young people go to see them, and they hear the songs, and it's like uh, looks like a duck, walks like a duck, must be them. <laughs> uh, and some of them, yeah, you know, are pretty credible in the way they uh, reproduce the music or play the music. But at the same time, it's never going to be the same as the original members. That chemistry can never be duplicated again. As soon as you start, it's an equation, A plus B plus C plus D equals something. You take one variable out of there and the equation changes. It could still be good, but it's going to be different. Um, With us, I think, uh, when uh, we noticed it, it was somewhat out of necessity. In um, 87, I believe, we had a lineup change. Don Barnes wanted to do... um, another project, do some solo stuff. And we were starting to fracture a bit. And we uh, had Max Carl from Jack Mack and the Heart Attack join the band and um, another guitar player. And Max was one of the greatest singers and songwriters I've ever known. And we had a huge hit with Max, which was a battle, of The Heart Needs a Second Chance. Um, but it was different. And our audience didn't embrace it. And we'd play concerts, and we'd play the other stuff, and it was still, okay, we still like it. But the, but there was something that was missing that was gone. And that lasted about five years. Uh, Don came back into the band, but it was too late then. Um, we were well into the 90s. And I think we were, as far as our, our musical, our music direction, individually and collectively, went. We had, we had lost it and it was hard to put it back together. And especially with the, as I said before, the grunge movement and radio formats changing. So th- I think t- to answer the question, when, when when Don left and we got max, even though we had success and we had the biggest charting song we'd ever had, it was not the same band anymore. And we had to accept that. And there were people that, that um, gave up on us because of that. And I remember, you know, when your favorite band growing up and all of a sudden you find out they broke up or they, a member quit, you're going, how could they do that? That's, Mm -hmm. they can't do that. You know, they they have to stay together. They have to be that band. And once you're in a band and you get to that point, you realize it's not so easy, but that's what had happened for us. Um, And then now, um, you know, it's um, one member Maybe two, maybe none. But it's the music that that lives, which is okay. If the music's there for the generations to enjoy and listen to um, and learn from, it's okay. Nothing lasts forever.
3: Even cold November rain?
2: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, yeah, uh, Jeff. You almost, uh, you know, we did talk on the phone. I felt like you kind of told me that you know Santa wasn't real, when you know Donnie Van Zant didn't sing all the songs and some some of the very popular songs. I was like, wait, what? And we looked it up, and it was like, wow. I guess I mean it, it makes sense, but yeah, I didn't didn't catch that just listening. <laughs> but I, I wanted to kind of kind of expand. I guess you didn't talk about it yet, but when someone approached you about music television, I think in 1981, and you're like, Oh, what is that? And then it's on cable. What is cable? And, uh, and then also 20 years later on that um, kind of reissue or, or the, the 20th anniversary of, uh, I think hold on loosely was the 13th video uh, played right on MTV.
4: Yep. 13th video on the first day. Uh, varying we uh we were actually playing a venue uh hold on lucy had just come out and it was starting to move up the charts and get some momentum and we were playing a uh, really neat venue in denver colorado that barry fay who was the promoter uh owned and it was kind of the stepping stone um probably a thousand seat venue and uh then from there you would go to the 5,000-seat theater, and then from there to McNichols Arena, which was your 20,000-seater, and then Mile High Stadium if you, if you got that far. So anyway, we're playing this um, this venue, and a guy comes up to me, and it had already been established through management, whatever, but I didn't know, and he, he said, introduced himself. He, he said, we're going to be filming the show tonight, and uh, I said, okay. He says, we're with music television. And I said, Oh, that's cool. What's that? And he goes, well, we're going to do videos and, and, uh, air them on, <laughs> she said cable TV. Mm-hmm. Oh, that'd be great. What's cable TV. Now, mind <laughs> you, this, yeah, 1981. So it's
3: three channels still. <laughs>
4: yeah, right. Exactly. There's not even so Fox. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Right. Is this, uh, you know, is this UHF or, or v- do I need rabbit ears to get this thing? Um, <laughs> and so, um, uh, so I, I remember um, going backstage, call my manager and I had to borrow a quarter to put in the payphone, and and uh, to make sure it was all legit. And anyway, I went back and said, all right, everything's cool. And he said, we'll have a camera over here or whatever. And I, I remember the last thing to, to him, I says, all right, good luck on that little venture of yours. I hope it works out. <laughs> and um, so that, that was in, I want to say it was April, Uh, of 81 and then in August MTV Mm -hmm. launched and the um, 20 years later uh, on August 1st 2001 they uh, re-aired that first 24 hours of MTV exactly as it aired with the same uh, Mark Goodman and uh, uh, Alan Hunter all the VJs
3: was Uh, Jesse there?
4: Who? Jesse. Oh, wait, no. No.
3: JJ, sorry, JJ.
4: Yeah, yeah, JJ was there, JJ Jackson, uh, Nina Blackwood. Martha Quinn. uh, Martha Quinn.
3: (laughs) Uh, Adam Curry, the inventor of the podcast. (laughs) Who is? Adam Curry invented the podcast.
4: Oh, I didn't know that.
3: Yeah. He has a very good show. uh,
4: so I remember watching and you know, turning on. So this, and I remember just told my wife. I said, "You know, we may be on here somewhere. We did a, a video, an early video for for MTV, and of course, you know, it's twenty years later. So obviously, we have a lot of songs over MT, uh, on MTV over the la- over the subsequent twenty years. And um, so the first video, of course, was." Uh, um, video killed the radio star. And then there was RASB wagon, Pat Benatar, Rod Stewart. Um, and it got to about number 10 and I'd said, all right, I'm bored with this and went in the other room. Oh, cut, no. caught, on, <laughs> <laughs> caught on the desktop computer and all that. And uh, finally heard my voice, ah, it's you and ran in there. It was number 13 and it was pretty cool to think you know years later that you were whatever you were valid part of history yes yeah exactly oh, yeah. american history
3: well Overall, and, and our our second episode was essentially dedicated to MTV being a, a, a not even a like not a, like a shell of a shell of its former self like MTV is a punchline at this point but MTV up until like 1993 ish was a big deal for the world.
4: Well, even when they did when the um, they did the 20th anniversary that we just talked about and reaired, they they would not air it on MTV. It was actually aired on MTV VH1. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh wow, the, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah.
4: yeah and are are at that point in time. Uh, In 2001, they were afraid that the MTV audience would be like, what's going on? What's happened to our MTV? Because it had changed and morphed into something completely different. They said, no, we got to show it on VH1. And that's where it was aired. And the ultimate irony of all that is VH1 became
3: a a valid uh, successor to MTV but it eventually turned into what MTV became. It stopped yeah. being about music and it started being terrible reality shows about like, who's having sex with who. Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and again, um, I guess how quickly we digress, you know, it's like, how did all that happen? It's quick. And, yeah. It's it really, really quick. is. A, in the pan. In, one yeah. generation, one generation. Mm-hmm. Um, is all it takes. So, yeah, a lot of my musician buddies and whatever, we are absolute, as musicians, speaking strict of that, we're very grateful that we grew up uh, in the era that we we did grow up in and learn to play music um, for a lot of reasons, just because of the, the music and the discipline that we were um, exposed to. I mean, we learned to play guitar by picking the needle up off a vinyl record and moving it back or turning the speed down and transposing the key just so you could learn, you know, take you f- two hours to learn one lick from Clapton and you'd speed it up and you still couldn't do it. <laughs> but that was, that was a real, um, you know, a real good, um, uh, discipline to, if you wanted it bad enough, you, you, you worked at it until you got it. Um, And the other thing, too, is later on, professionally, as a songwriter, the the dynamics of the industry has changed so much now that, you know, fortunately, I still get paid for songs that I wrote 40 years ago. And now, you know, most of the artists give their songs away. They make it on the back end from touring, um, but the whole Uh, industry has changed so much because of technology, the internet, and I guess it probably really started with Napster and some of those file sharing things Mm -hmm. and Apple came along and said, well, we're going to have iTunes, but uh, it's, it's more difficult to make money from your songs than it is to make money from your merchandising and your live performances. So it was a good thing for
2: artists back then yeah well, um i'll go ahead ac
3: i was gonna say well we're, we're at the hour oh, yeah. and i i do want to thank you for your time this has been enlightening and it's uh it's been a lot of fun
4: well my pleasure guys i i certainly enjoyed it and if you ever uh get bored or you're <clears throat> you can't find anybody good to come on your show call me back. <laughs> or uh,
3: <laughs> we're we're going to have to do like an end of year event and we're just going to have our best guests just pop in and out. I, I think we're, we're actually, we're going to, we're going to do that. It was a a line that DJ and I threw out one day, but I, I think we are going to actually do that. And then, yeah, if you, ah. it will send you yeah. a link and you have you pop in. And Jeff, is there
2: anything you would like to plug anything you're up to now or any, uh, links, websites, uh, anything, uh, shout outs,
4: uh, I'd, I'd love to tell you that, uh, retirement is good. <laughs> 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 no, uh, uh, not, not at all. Um, the one thing I'm very excited about is I've just become a grandfather.
3: Hey, hey well
2: done. Congratulations. So
4: my, uh, daughter, her husband, and our uh, grandson live in London. So I'm going back and forth to London quite a bit and uh, I've been having a good time over there from the musical side of it. um, I was able to visit um, some of my friends from Bad Company that live over there, Mick Ralph's. and um, So I get really more involved in music when I go over over there than I do here. And and to go back to uh, some of the places we used to play like the Hammersmith um, back when we were touring, it's kind of neat to see again. So, uh, a lot of fun. And, um, people say, you still playing? I said every day, but, um, I was probably doing a bit more before COVID. Um, not in the sense of touring with the band, but doing charity events, corporate events, whatever. And COVID really slowed things down. And, uh, now it's fortunately coming back. So, uh, you never know, but so far I'm enjoying just chilling.
2: Excellent, yeah. You've done enough, and we really appreciate your career and thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you're an absolute legend. What, what, one of my all-time favorite bands, honestly. Thirty Eight Special, some of the greatest songs ever written, in in my opinion. And I think we're gonna be able to close out the show with with one of your songs. With I mean, I looked on Spotify and Hold On Loosely has almost 120 million plays. Uh, wow that that's that that's that's
3: remarkable
4: <laughs> that's 11 or 12 dollars
3: yeah uh, <laughs> i was gonna make that same joke <laughs>
4: <laughs> guys i sure have enjoyed it thank so, you yeah. so much for having me on and uh, cheers to uh all your listeners
2: oh thank you and yeah on your travels definitely please and everyone you know stay safe out there
4: you got it